30 I think I think as the English would say 30 quid. I think that's the the proper yeah, whatever the proper the thing fuck to say. A quid. It's like a like an animal a quid. <laughs> These Englishmen in the their fuck a quid is. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck a quid is. These Englishmen <laughs> in their fucking monetary denominations. Fucking skip over here. He'll he'll let us know. He'll let us know what You ever a heard of a is. quarter or a dime? Come on, guys. <laughs> Have you heard of George Washington? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we uh, we get into a different album by a different artist or band, and we break it down. We try our best to uh, to give you all the information, all the secrets of the record that we're getting into. Uh, but this week it's gonna be it's a it's gonna be a little tough because we're doing a big album, one of the most popular albums of all time. So we are going to try our best breaking this this son of a bitch down. This is this has so, gotta be like a top five most popular album, popular album of all time, without a doubt, without a fucking doubt. Whether it be sales, so, recognition, whatever. Yeah, this is this is beyond. This is like beyond a cultural banger. That's yeah. what this is. Uh, also, but, but before we get into it, while you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, give us five stars, please, 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 give us five stars. Uh, all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff, is uh, is at Asinine Radio. We have a Twitter as well. Get into that. We have a phone number you can call. Leave us a voicemail. Send us a text message. The phone number is 503-893-5307. And we have a Discord server because a lot of people do, and we're just as cool as they are. Uh, hit us up for that link. We'll send it to you. Join us and some other jerk-offs that are in there and make fun of us mm-hmm. and make fun of each other because that's pretty much all we do. So do that, and uh, yeah. Anyway, let's get into it. What album we're doing? To, what album are we doing today, Jeff? We are doing Pink Floyd's "Dark Side," the Dark Side of the Moon. Excuse me. Pink Floyd, formed in 1964 in London, England, by Sid Barrett on vocals and guitar, Bob Close on guitar, Roger Waters on bass, and Nick Mason on drums, and Richard Wright on keys. I forgot about that. Uh, they put out full, full oh, fuck. They put out 15 full-length records, three EPs, four live albums, 17 comps and box sets, and have sold well over 250 million copies worldwide. But the album today, the album we're doing today, obviously, is The Dark Side of the Moon. It was released March 1st, 1973, and it features Roger Waters on bass and vocals, David Gilmour on vocals and guitar, Nick Mason on drums, Richard Wright on keys and vocals, and the album is one of the greatest selling albums of all time. 
Now, Jeff, what is your uh, what's your origin story with Pink Floyd? Go. I I don't know. I, honestly, I mean, Pink Floyd is just it, it's in like the cover art for Dark Side is so ingrained in in world culture, you know, since it came out. It's it's, it's just this phenomenon. So I I've seen. I saw the cover art before I ever heard Pink Floyd. One of the earliest times I remember listening to Pink Floyd and thinking this is not my thing, it's overrated and boring, was uh, a guy I went to high school with, and I think his name was Mike Stone. Ah, yes. Yes, I remember Mike Stone. He lived kind of where we got arrested for making the bomb, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dry ice bomb. Dry ice bomb. So I went to his house to, to jam. I don't even fucking know how. I ended up there. Don't know why. <laughs> That's so weird. Didn't even like really know him, but he, his like dad had a lot of really, really cool equipment. And so I was at his house one. I think it was, it was Taylor Moe that like introduced us, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at his house one time and we, we, I mean, jamming, we were playing like Green Day songs and shit. And he was a really good guitarist, but we eventually, a guitar player. we eventually just started listening to music and he's like, oh, I'll put Pink Floyd on. I was like, okay, I never listened to Pink Floyd. So let's, let's listen to it. Didn't like it. Not a fan. Thought it was boring. And uh, I didn't understand why people liked it. Fast forward to like last year. <laughs> this was, you know, that <laughs> so we're, we're talking, we're talking like what, like maybe 15 years old to fast forward to 35. So fast forward yeah. 20 years and <laughs> I'm at, I'm at some lady's house. I mean, like we've talked about Pink Floyd in the past and I've, I've, I've never liked them, shit. but I've, I for sure have thought for a long time that they are overrated and, um, that they, they, I don't know, the, overrated was the best word that I've always used to describe Pink Floyd. So yeah, fast forward to, to 20 years and some ladies like giving away records to me when we started our record collection and she gave me Wish You Were Here, Umaguma and Adam Hart Mother. I, I come home and I throw on Wish You Were Here first because that was uh, that was it. And I mean, Sloan, had, Sloan bought me the, the dark side when we first started collecting to kind of get me into collecting more and i was like okay this is really cool it sounds nice i like it it's good good stuff let's let's mm-hmm. listen to wish you were here to see if it's as good not that great whatever but it was adam hart mother adam hart mother when i threw that on and this is even before like i really dove into like the prog stuff and but like when i threw adam hart mother on i don't know something just clicked something something happened to where i thought these guys are not that great like nothing they do is really that great but when you throw them all together and when, when they're all on their A game, honestly, Pink Floyd reminds me of the way we write music, the way our songs have developed since we were playing <laughs> in, in fucking Nia Numb in, in your like, ditching a... class and shit, fucking going and jamming at your house to where we are now, the way our songs have developed, the way we change things. It's just, I don't know. I think that's why I like Pink Floyd now is because I don't know. I see a lot of us in them. I really do. Like the way we write songs, the way we approach songs is just fuck it. Let's just write a song like this. I don't like it anymore. Let's change it. Even though we just spent years perfecting it, let's just completely change it. <laughs> and it just seems like Pink Floyd is a band that has evolved over the over the years. And I, I think the wall. But even was when but they, even when making the wall. Even making the connection of between us and and Pink Floyd. I mean, I kind of get what you're saying, but damn, that's a big. It's not it's a though. Big jump. But like I'm just because they're popular, but like if no one had ever heard of if, if Pink Floyd were let's say 10 years after and 10 years after is a killer uh proggy psyche 
folk band kind of and and like no one's ever really heard of them but like comparing our, us yeah. to them would be no big deal just because Pink Floyd has this stature and they're not that great musicians they really aren't yeah, like yeah, like yeah. nothing they did like 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 compositionally speaking is 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 like that great they have some weird time signatures and dark side will talk about one but i don't think that's that's that was intentional. I think they just wrote a really cool baseline, and it just so happened to be in that seven four time signature. They don't fucking know what it mm-hmm. is. Like they have no idea. <laughs> it, it's just it, the way it happened to be. And the longer you play music, the more you learn. And it's just kind of like a de facto thing that now we we hail Pink Floyd as one of the best. But um, they're human. They're human just like anybody else. As opposed to like like uh, I don't know like Rush or or, or Yes. Like these guys are, yeah, are king crimson. Like these, these these bands are are so good, so technically fantastic, so perfect that they write perfect music. Whereas Pink Floyd yeah, was yeah. just like you said earlier. What'd you call them, a bunch of cucks or something? No, I didn't call them cucks. I called them like schmucks. The you call them schmuck. You call I'll them call schmucks. Them schmucks. Yeah. yeah, close enough. I had to call them schmucks. <laughs> <laughs> schmucks and cucks. I don't know. You call them something. Bunch of schmucks. You just decided to but pick why up did music they call them one schmucks, day. Though? Because they're fuck, they are schmucks. There's a bunch oh, of no, guys no, going said, to architectural said, school. Yeah, that's what I doing. said. A bunch of schmucks from arch- from like an architectural school. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Building fucking like you know, designing cathedrals is boring. Should we start a band that makes no sense? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. So I what I I don't even know what, the, uh, what where we're where that was your origin story. That was your yeah, that was my origin story. Okay. Oh God! It's I, be off I, the rails. I really don't know the first time I have ever heard Pink Floyd. I do not. I have no clue. I I do remember the first time I ever ever heard Pink Floyd. I had to have been no. I I, I was in second grade, and my mom used to listen to a lot of classic rock. But for whatever reason, this really stood out to me. Was we were driving home from Lancaster, back home to Placentia where we lived, and on the way home we were driving through the desert, or like we just left Lancaster, so it was still desert. And we're driving through there and money came on the radio and my mom turned up really loud and the hearing the cash register and the coins and then that the baseline and all of that, that solid, that was like, that was really new to me. That was so weird. I never heard anything like it. And then my mom was saying how much she liked Pink Floyd and, you know, just, you know, she was the one who, she didn't necessarily get me into because she wasn't a huge Pink Floyd person, but she liked their bigger songs, you know, Another Brick in the Wall, Money, um, what's a oh, wish you were here and and comfort. She really likes comfort, comfortably numb as well. Like those are the songs that she really liked. So whenever they would come on the radio, she would always turn them up really loud. But money was the first song that I remember, I recall ever hearing, and I was in second grade. So I, what was that? Seven years old, eight years old, if that. And you know, after that, I never really got into them. Even in high school, I was a, more of a new metal guy, punk guy. Didn't really care. And then right after high school, I. I started to get into to dark side to that to the dark side album. That was pretty much it. And then the Mars Volta were the reason why I started to dive deeper into their music because they did a cover of Candy and a Current Bun, which was a B side from Piper, from Piper at the Gates of Dawn. And they did a cover of that for the Bedlam and Goliath record. And that song leaked, or that entire record and all those B sides leaked in two thousand seven. And that was the first time I heard like a like a Pink Floyd cover, and then I that's when that's when I went down that rabbit hole of Piper, of metal, of, of animals, all that shit, and that's when I really started to get into Pink Floyd. It was like around two thousand seven, two thousand eight, was when I just fucking went went in head first on Pink Floyd. Mm. So, 
that's 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 my origin story, I guess. That's, that's my kind story. I'm sticking story. to it. Yeah. So, have you ever heard that that Mars Volta cover? Uh, no, and I don't ever want to hear it. If Mars Volta, an overrated <laughs> band, is covering one of Pink Floyd's worst albums, <laughs> but this is a B side from that record. I, again, I I I didn't like. I don't want to hear the worst songs that didn't make the album from their <laughs> worst records. Why Why would I want to hear that? <laughs> And and they have come out multiple times and said that their favorite record, the best Pink Floyd record of all time by far, is Piper at the Gates. Of Idiots. <laughs> the only thing worse about that statement you could have said is that this was <laughs> with this was like the Amputecture days of Mars Volta, but because this it was is, well, the Bedlam was, days. Yeah, this is like right after Bedlam. Yeah, this is during Bedlam. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, because I, I, I do like Bedlam a lot, so. <laughs> but no, I would not listen. But but also their cover of Candy in a Current Bun isn't that good. It's not, it's like the worst, there was like eight covers that they did for Bedlam, six or eight covers, and only like two of them were good. The other, they were all like whatever at most, at best. It's a different kind of prog. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's my origin story. So let's jump into um, our initial thoughts. If we have any stinkers, which I don't think we do. And then I guess we could just, like we talked about prior, before we started recording, We'll just start from the beginning. Sound good? Yeah. All right. So yeah, what do you got? Well, well, well. Initial thoughts? Stinkers? What do you got? Um, initial thoughts is are, were, will be. Um, I, I don't know, Tyler. Don't know, I, just, yeah. I don't I don't even, I I really have no, no, uh, it's good. It's it's a good album. and, and It's overwhelming. This entire week has been overwhelming. This this entire week has been overwhelming because of the amount of listening we've had to do. However, Dark Side of the Moon is not is not as great as we are led to believe, but it's still pretty great. It's yeah. not it's not like this mind-blowingly fucking proggy perfection thing that has been handed down from God himself. It's really not. It's it's accessible, <laughs> it's dumbed down a lot at points. But, I mean, that's just me nitpicking and trying to to put this down a peg because it's not their best album. It's their most accessible album. It's their most successful album. And it's, um, I, I do think that because of the, the album art, I, I do. I, I really do think that this is, this will live on forever because of the album art. And, and with this and Abbey Road, I think we've had this argument before. I, I think mm-hmm. this is the most recognizable album cover of all time. It's definitely up there. I'm sure. I do. I this is it. This is this is the bee's knees here. I yeah, we did talk about that, huh? I, I like, it, when it comes to recognizable album art, yeah. yeah, I think this was it's come up several times. I, I yeah, the, it's this one and Abbey Road are like the two ones that are just like dude, everybody fucking knows what it is. Yeah. That's very true. You've been born yesterday and you still know what this is. But but <laughs> So I, I I listened to this in my car because I had a good block where I was going to be in my car for at least 45 minutes. I wanted I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm listening to my car through and through, front to back, that way there's no interruptions. I listened to it on the vinyls, and I have a, I think we have the same exact pressing, the 2016 pressing. Yeah, the 2016 one, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we have the same pressing. So I listened to that, and then I listened to it on headphones. And I will say that the headphones was the best experience. Mm-hmm. I, I had mm-hmm. the most enjoyable experience with the headphones, listening to Spotify, 
And um, as as far as like quality goes, I think I think all three were the same. But I think you can really pick up on the stereo nuance with the headphones, and they do it. Um, they deliberately use the stereo a lot, like the walking, the footsteps, the heartbeat. There are different things that they use to really make you want to listen to the stereo version. And you really pick up on it when you have the headphones on. When I'm I'm when I'm sitting here, my setup, I'm listening to the vinyls, my speakers are a little close and I'm not facing them directly. They're facing kind of kind of perpendicular to where I'm sitting. So I don't yeah, get the yeah, back yeah. and forth of the stereo. In the car, it was a little bit better. I did get the back and forth, but the car is just it's it's a space too. But there's also a lot of like noise when you're driving. Yeah, you know? the tires and horns and everybody else outside. But for sure, I this was the first time I've ever listened to this album with headphones on. Actually, it was the first time I've ever heard this album the way I heard it with headphones on. And um, not that I've listened to this album, you know, a thousand times. I've only been listening since we started collecting records, essentially. Maybe like two times in my life before that. But um, I will <laughs> say, like, holy fuck, man. I... Dude, there's there's a there's a billion comments on, on, on the internet about this album. And a lot of people say they have these weird, like, uh, emotional reaction to this, to this album. The, the instrumental parts make them feel ways and... I'm reading this stuff. And I'm like, this is fucking dumb, dude. The guys like, this is stupid. This is not even their best album. But I will say, listening to it with headphones on, I was. It's a whole other experience. I was fucking mesmerized. It's like a 45 minute album. I swear to God, it went by in three minutes. It was it was over like that. It was crazy. Yeah. I I cannot remember the last time I listened to an album like this and did not even remember the last like 25 minutes except for the fact that I felt sad, I felt happy, I felt anxious, I felt energetic. It was unbelievable. I was I was blown away. <laughs> I truly was blown away. <laughs> it is a really it is a really different and very cool experience because like you the I mean I had heard it a lot. I mean not not like you actually. I heard it a lot prior to when we started collecting vinyl. Um but this week relating to what you were saying i did listen to it in different formats i mean i listened to it on vinyl twice uh once just kind of farting around another time where i was literally sitting right next to my speakers on each side of me which i do i don't turn it up super loud but it's it's loud enough to where i can hear the nuances and i'm not going deaf and then i listened to it once in my car and then i listened to it twice with earbuds in with headphones on and like I totally agree with you. Sonically, it it is a headphone earbud record. You have to hear the panning of all the different sounds and instruments. You have to have that experience. Otherwise, it's it's just not the same. Yeah, this album has to be played with headphones on, without a doubt. Even if you don't even have that great of a copy of it, like even if it's not that like lower quality, like the whole the part of the experience is hearing how they mix mixed the stereo on this it's truly remarkable at this time i mean yeah there were a lot of you know engineers and producers and musicians in the 60s and late 50s that were trying to come up with all these cool ways of of doing stereo recording but the way pink floyd did it on this particular record was was absolutely unreal and just amazing truly fucking amazing and I, I did, uh, just real quick, there was one time, this is maybe like four years ago, I, when I was in, when I used to be an EMT, we were, it was like a very, very slow night, and this was like at 10 o'clock at night, and I was with the guy, the guy I was working with, Daniel, 
he had never he had heard Pink Floyd, but he had never heard Dark Side in its entirety. And we had the radio on because we didn't have like this is an old ambulance, so we only had the radio. And it was on KLOS, which is the local uh, rock, like classic rock radio station. And the the DJ on the station, she was she said, "Okay, we're gonna play Dark Side of the Moon at ten o'clock, but we're gonna play it from the vinyl. We're gonna go vinyl directly to the radio, and there's not gonna be any commercials." The only pause what? in the in the album is when I'm literally flipping the record. So <laughs> we're like, oh hell? fuck yeah. So we were we were literally sitting we were sitting in front of Los Alamitos Hospital and we like I said, we hadn't had a call for like a two hours and we, we listened to the entirety of Dark Side of the Moon on KLOS on vinyl and Daniel had never heard this record and he was just and he's like a like a crazy metal guy and he was just kind of blown away by it. He just he had never heard anything like it and he thought it was the coolest experience just hearing it because we had the the fucking speaker super loud in the ambulance and it, and it was dark it was just it was a cool ex- really cool experience being with somebody who had never heard this record before in that environment it was just super cool it was a that's just a little anecdote i had about this record that's and crazy how this this is in t- what 2016 or 27 no it's 2017 when this happened, yeah, and they were they literally were listening. We listened to this record on vinyl on the radio. It was so and it was so cool because you hear the side A end and you hear the you hear the stylus like pick up off the, the turntable. You hear you hear it all, and then you hear like shuffling, and then you hear the record flip. And she's like, and then she says something like, "Here's the second side of dark dark side of the moon," and then she, you hear the stylus go down, and then start side B. It was so fucking sick. But that's 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 no unreal. commercials. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Like just I don't know, listening to Dark Side on the vinyls through like on the AM radio. radio or FM, but KFI. That was AM six forty. What do you? I don't know what you're talking no, about. KLOS. KLOS. I thought you said KFI. No, it was KLOS. KLOS. That, oh, well that okay. That makes it less remarkable. I, I, that's but why it's still I, I was so cool. I was so blown away because I thought you said KFI. Why the fuck no, is no, KFI no, no, playing? No, not KFI. No. Okay, I'm pretty sure he's a KFI. <laughs> no. no, no. I did not say KFI. You want I double or nothing KFI. on the five dollar bet? I will. I will double or nothing on the five dollar right, bet. That's it, baby. Double or you're nothing. Already, on the five dollar bet. I'm pretty sure losing, he said so. KFI. I did not. I said KLOS. God, I hope you said KFI. I, I said I said KLOS, the classic rock station. Oh, I, I know you said classic rock station. You didn't say classic rock. Let's sure talk. Okay, Uncle Joe Benson, relax. I did. I said I said the local classic rock, classic rock radio station. I did say it. Okay. I think so. I think that like perfectly sums up just what dark side of the moon or the dark side of the moon with the the, the, the article before <laughs> the it. The is so annoying. I, I think that just like perfectly kind of sums up what this what this album is about. It's 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 about just like an experience. This album is an experience, and it's it's not the best. It's not the greatest. It's not the most mind bending. It's 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 just, it's an experience through and through. They they wrote it. I don't know if on purpose or. If it just happenstance, but it became, like it became one hell of an experience. And there's a lot of there's a lot of people yeah. online, like I said earlier, where I've read, like people were just like brought to tears. And and this is not one of those albums for me, but I understand where people are coming from. I understand the emotional response that people had from this album because, fuck, it is an experience. Um, obviously we don't have stinkers, right? No, there, there. I mean, there. No, there. There are no stinkers. There are parts of this album that I, I wished was was less of something, more of something. I wish songs were combined into one thing, but no, there's nothing even close to being a stinker. Same here. I mean, really, the the only criticism I would have is that some of the songs should have been combined. 
Like it could have been a solid seven song record, maybe even less, but seven at the most, a seven song record would have been just fine, just perfect. Yeah. So I, I agree. Um, so w- the way I kind of, li- cause I still listed bangers, uh, but I did combine some bangers together as one song. So I do have technically seven bangers on here. Okay. Out of the 10 songs. So let, let's just start from the beginning though. Cause that's what we, that's what we decided upon. Yeah. Uh, speak to me. Baby. So speak to me, speak to me. Well, I mean, honestly speak to me and breathe. They're one song, one song. So let's, let we, let's just get into both of them. I mean, speak to me has no, has no lyrics. So it's, it's an intro with the heartbeat, the cash machines. It's pretty much bits and pieces of almost every song on the record put into this one, like, 30 seconds, 35 yeah. seconds. It's an overture, right? It's a thesis yes. statement. Yeah. It's something that we'll eventually hear on the album. It's got a nice gradual yeah. build into the, it's got a crescendo to it. That heartbeat's great. I, I, I like the, the overall themes and concept being explored of life and death and uncertainty and everything. And like, we're hearing it right from the beginning, the heartbeat, the album is coming to life. Like, Ooh, spooky. <laughs> okay. That's cool. I get it. I dig. <laughs> I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I'm peaked. Yeah, yeah. And uh and this is the only song that Nick Mason is credited on. The drummer Nick Mason is credited on. And uh they kind of did this just um just to throw him a bone, just to give him some extra money. Throw him a bone. Like it's kind of it's kind of fucked up when you think about it, but in the end it worked out because this is arguably this is you know what? This is their most successful record. Because fuck the wall, because that that doesn't count. Like we were talking about in the rankings episode, it says twenty three million copies sold. Fuck that, it's half that. Because it's a double LP, so I don't like that. I don't like the cheating. Yeah, I, it, this is for sure the most successful record. I I just it 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 is. I mean, even if it's not, it it is because it is. Yeah. I refuse to I refuse to believe that this album art does not automatically make this their most successful album. True. True. Also, when you think about it, like the wall, isn't that kind of like a, the cover at least. The cover is like a shitty knockoff of the White Album, the Beatles' White Album. Like very minimalistic white. The only difference between the two albums is that there's some lines in it. Yeah, that's that's really it. Some brick lines, that's it. That's cheesy. It makes me like the wall even less. Yeah, no, I, 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 like I agree. The wall, the wall is, uh, the wall's pretty trash. Talk about an overrated fucking album. trash. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's move on to breathe. Then, I mean it, that that transition from speak to me to this is it's perfect. It's there are there are moments on this record where they they segue the song segue perfectly into one another, and this is the first example of that. It's not even like <laughs> it's not even like they they segue perfectly. It's like there is no segue. It's just a, a, it's the same fucking song. Like it's it's yeah. so. The transitions are so flawless. Like honestly, they're so flawless that most of the time I don't even, I don't even understand like what's going on. Like be, until it's uh, too late. And the first time I listened to this was on Spotify, and so then when I'm trying to like listen to it through and through because I have my new laptop and I have my new earbuds, and I was like, oh, I'm listening on Spotify first, and I didn't know when the next song happened. But then I I, I know the theme. I know like the melody to breathe. I know the melody to time. I know the melody to money. And so I was mm-hmm. like, when the fuck did they, when, like, when did we come into time? Like, we're, we're 20 <laughs> minutes deep. Like, when did this happen? I don't, what? And so it was, yeah. I was caught off guard because I did not know when it happened because it's so, 
I don't know. They they it's they wrote it as one song, but just chopped it up on the album. I I don't think that there were different songs. I just I don't. think I mean really I think they only chopped it up just to make it more commercially acceptable when you look at an album. Like it, it, like say you're just like a run of the mill person, you go to the record store in the 70s, you go to the record store and you come across this you're like, "Oh, there's five songs on here. Like this sounds like this is probably going to be trash. It's going to be it's not going to be pop music, but then you see an album with 10 songs and you're like, this is, a, this is, this sounds good. This could be a good pop record or a good rock record. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it, I think that's really why they did a, this on the record because, you know, metal had five songs. Uh, what the fuck came before metal? Uh, Obscured by Clouds only had what? Nine songs, I think like, or something like that. So a lot of the, the more pro- Adam mother had four songs. So I think this is a conscious effort to try to make their their album more appealing aesthetically by just separating the songs the way they did. Stupid, but it worked. <laughs> All right, so then what do you got what do you else do you got on Breathe? Uh Breathe in the air, in the air of the night. Um dude, Gilmer has some sick guitar parts. Just some like cool country slides mixed with like serious ethereal dream like riffs. Very mm-hmm. basic drum beat, minimal fills. But when those fills hit, when it's, just, they hit so fucking hard, and it plays so well to the song. Nothing, nothing about this album where where Nick Mason plays, aside from one song that I, I think is really cool, just unique. But nothing that he does on this album, I think, is 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 like mind blowing because he's just playing mm-hmm. to the song. He's just he's he's calming it down. He's dumbing it down. He's playing to what the music calls for. Nothing more. Nothing less. This song has a great bass line. It goes up and down. It goes back and forth. And the keyboards mm. have some pretty cool rad shit going out. Phased out. They're trippy. It's an amazing song. Truly. It is. And I feel like, too, in this song, there are many moments where you just feel immersed in the music. It immediately kind of takes you into the song. And you're just kind of... It's, it's not that it's hard to focus on what's going on. It's... There's... I don't even know how to explain it. It just... You're instant. I just feel like you're instantly brought into it, and it's a great experience. And I agree with you on the bass. The the bass is my favorite part of this song. With it doesn't, it kind of trudges along. It's like I don't even know how to try to describe it. It's something that I feel Roger Waters doesn't do a lot. It's a very unique bass line for him, and then the slide guitar too. I, I agree with you. The slide guitar, David Gilmour does it really well, and not just on this record. On on several other records and songs, he. He pulls out that slide and he's fucking killer at it. So, <laughs> but it's not even like a full neck slide. It's like a half fret yeah. neck slide. You know what I mean? It's just, it's it's just enough to recognize that he's doing it, but it's not enough to turn this into like a country song. And it's just it's not. He doesn't show amazing. off with it. He does it to play to the actual song itself. I, I, it's never to show off. Like like again, this this stems from these guys just not being great musicians. Just playing to the utmost full of their potential. And after this week, I, I agree with you more because in the past, I, I had always assumed that, especially Gilmore and, and Waters, I always thought that they put out a lot more solo records than they actually did, but they've each only put out four records. Yeah, nothing. That's crazy. Since since 1985, or I mean, essentially 1975, I think, actually when Gilmore put out his first record. They've only put out four fucking records. Yeah, the guys from I, Pink I Floyd. I thought they were the way more pro- prolific than this. Sure. I really did. I really fucking did. Whatever, though. It's fine. The, these Pink Floyd records are 
are, are honestly amazing. So, uh, should we play a little bit of Breathe? Sure, play a little bit of All Breathe. Right. Let's get into this a bit, and then we'll talk about the lyrics, and then we'll uh, we'll move on. So here it is from Pink Floyd. There you go, breathe in the air from Pink Floyd. <laughs> so what do you got lyrically on this one? When he comes in with just the first breathe, it's, it's so airy and, 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 I don't know, it's so calming and delicate and nice. It's very, very pleasant. Very pleasant. I also, I really like when he says, when he says the run, run rabbit, run, it's, it's another it's i mean he's, he sings it the same way it's the same melody but that part has always stuck out to me is the run run is the run run rabbit run i love it good stuff I, I think it's it's just like for lack of a better word it's just a beautiful song yeah i hate describing music that way but that's what this is this entire record Sometimes you just you I don't know man sometimes like you write music and it's it's really good because it's complicated or the guitar part's really great, or it's got a good riff to it. And then sometimes you get a song like "Breathe," where it's just, it's just nice to listen to. It's like yeah, a, it's like a good cloud. Like everybody likes yeah. a good cloud, right? <laughs> like, cloud. but for real though, like you driving down like the <laughs> the freeway, you look up, you notice the clouds. But like when you see a good cloud, like you look at a good cloud, right? And you take you like do, two, three kinda, glances, like that. That wow, that's a fucking good cloud. You kind of like look at it like deeper, and you're like, oh, I, I don't know, I. I I yeah, get like a I nice totally curvy white cloud. Like that's a fucking good cloud. Breathe is just a, it's a fucking good song. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know, everybody knows. Don't fucking <laughs> no, act like you don't look at fucking clouds. Come on, everybody looks. I at clouds. agree. No, I'm with you. I'm with clouds you. Clouds are amazing. I'm gonna shit. Yeah, they're cool. They're cool. They're very cool. They're great. All right. Um, lyrically, though, this is essentially the, this entire album is a concept record about being born about kind of life and all that and then dying essentially at the end this is the beginning and end of life and uh, kind of parts of it are based off of sid 
as Sid Barrett as well, the the original singer band leader of Pink Floyd. And uh, this is them being born. This is this is them. This is the narrator being born, and essentially the the mother telling them like just taking your first breath. Things are going to be okay. Yeah. Be all right, and just kind of live your life the way you want to. That's kind of what this song is for me, at least. I got I got like a little bit of um. I mean, because he directly says it, but I got like a little bit of of being born and and go do what you go like go do what makes you happy. Go venture out in the world, but don't forget where you came from, because because it, mm-hmm. he says like don't forget me, and I think that's yeah, that's yeah. that's like a throwback to like Sid, like hey you know like we've made it this far as a band, they've already become like increasingly popular, but they have no idea how popular they're going to be after Dark Side and then Wish You Were Here and then The Wall, like they have fucking no <laughs> idea, but they've yeah. already become really popular, so I think that's just him. I don't know him kind of honing it in at this moment when he's when they're when Pink Floyd was still humble and saying I am not forgetting where I came from I am not forgetting Sid Barrett I am not forgetting that this is not even my band it's not David Gilmour's band at all he didn't start this yeah. band he came in later so yeah I don't it's know truly a banger man truly a banger where does the where does this sit for you on the banger list I didn't have any bangers I, I don't write bangers oh you you didn't put no. any at all like you not didn't at all try. nope did I, I I I did for a minute I did. And then I said, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ranking these based off of bangers because taking them out of, out of sequential order makes them less of a banger. Yeah. yeah. And that's just, it's just, that's, there's just certain albums you can't do that to. You can't take them out of order. You have to listen front to back to get the full effect of the song. I agree. I, I don't, I don't fault you for that at all. I think I'm kind of with you. I just did it out of pod necessity, I guess, or just, I felt like I had to. That is muscle memory, really, right? Yeah, yeah. What I, I just an interesting thing I I kind of noticed on this listen th- uh, this week at least is that Gilmore sings on almost he's the lead vocalist on every song except for the last two songs. Yeah, which it seems really a lot. Just one song, it, and I think maybe that's why I like it this album so much because I prefer Gilmore's voice. I think he has a much better voice than Roger does. Okay. What do you, do you do? You I know you said earlier you didn't you preferred Rogers, right? I think I think Rogers, like post "Wish You Were Here," he's so fucking annoying because he just gets too stereotypical proggy of the '70s era of listening to like John Anderson or or fucking Getty from Rush. It's just boring. I don't want to hear it. Boring. <laughs> but yeah, I will say like Gilmore doesn't have the range that Waters does. He just doesn't. Gilmore does. No, he doesn't. Gilmer does one thing really, really, really well, but Waters at least can do other things. And sometimes it hits, and sometimes it doesn't. I don't know, but I think that's that's true. That's true. It makes for a good like like oil and water, like Mark and Tom. You know what I mean? It's it's good stuffs. It's a good dynamic, yeah. definitely. All right, so uh, so let's move on to on the run, on the run, the third song. What do you got on this one, dude? Just okay. So first of all, the transition into that hi hat part with like the deep bass. Oh, I know. What are you fucking doing? What are you doing, dude? Come on, is that that's one of the coolest things like in music history? It's so fucking good, so good, really good. Like every time we jam, there's always like a point where we transition to a different song and like we want to hit the hi hats. That's that's what they're there for. I I know. Click them away, baby. Click them away. God. But then if you if if you really listen to it, especially on earphones, you can really hear it. You can hear the loop because it's not it's not Nick Mason yeah. playing no. that over and over again. Right. It's 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 a you hear that click 
of the loop of the tape loop going over and over again. Over and, and over. I love it. I love that so much. Again, like, they didn't even try to hide that no. that that tape loop at all. And I I think that is fan fucking test because they're not that great musicians, but they have an idea, they have a concept, and there's no fucking reason why only Jimmy Page and and Eric Clapton and Jimi Hendrix should be able to write the best music. Everybody has great ideas. There's no reason yeah. why only the great ideas should be only produced by the great musicians. And that's why Pink Floyd is a ragtag group of uh, you think you again? Did you call them schmucks or cucks? Schmucks, yeah, schmucks. schmucks. <laughs> Why a architectural schmucks. Architectural school schmucks. A ragtag group of architectural schmucks. There's no reason why they can't write a fantastic fucking album. Just because they're not good at their instruments? No. Their ideas are just as solid as anybody else's. And this is, uh, yeah, you're right. That's, that's, a, that's a good example of it. So prior to them recording this record, they pretty much had played this record in its entirety live for the last like nine months, nine or ten months, if I'm not mistaken. And... There were some changes that were made um, once they started recording, but it was pretty much it's pretty much all there, and you can listen to old live recordings and bootlegs and all kinds of stuff, and you'll hear the entire Dark Side record played the year prior, which I, I think was kind of ahead of its time. Really, you don't you didn't hear a lot of bands do that. They would just go straight from touring from a tour straight into the studio, write and record in two months, and then put it out, tour again, and continue the cycle. But it was kind of cool that they they were trying something a little bit or doing something a bit different and did this all live a year prior. Before I mean that's that's it. that's a callback. That's a callback to Adam Hart where they were they're they're essentially rehearsing on stage. They're jamming different parts to Adam Hart and saying, "Hey, this is working. This is not working. People like this, but this doesn't feel right. Let's keep this, but get rid of this." And eventually, kind of curating an album on stage while performing you know the tour of another album and that's yeah it's weird and do you know what band famously did it after them I was just, the mars volta oh they well, did no that, that that's how they recorded francis amputecture goliath i mean all their especially music those sounds three, the same right? anyways so it doesn't really fucking matter oh, dude, you're the, that, that's why that's why oh I'm, I, you bought all the vinyl I didn't, buy, most, I didn't like, buy all their vinyl. You bought like half the. You bought like half their shit. <laughs> so don't give me that bullshit. You love the Mars Volta. Well, Rock your little man. little my, my, horse over my, here. My little high horse. My little pony horse. <laughs> <laughs> You're my little pony cuck horse over there. My little pony um, cuck horse. <laughs> uh, you're the worst sometimes. But the, the Mars Volta, they did that a lot too. They would. You would hear a lot of shit a year, year and a half prior to the record actually coming out. Yeah, I. I I like the idea of bands just like workshopping sounds and songs and, and ideas live, like in front of people. It's cool. It's, it's it really is. Cool. It's really, it's cool. And I, I mean, I don't know if that's, if that's the way like all music should be. I don't know. I just think it's a different, cool, interesting facet of, of live music. I think it keeps your chops up too. And, and you're, you're, you have, you have to be on your game to be able to do that because you can easily fall flat, fall flat on your face trying to do that trying to write new music in front of a you know three five thousand people and i mean there's a lot of like disaster there are a lot of traditionalists out there friend of the pod mickey he is one of them there are a lot of Mm -hmm. traditionalists out there that feel that if you cannot play your song in its entirety the way it sounds on record live then you you shouldn't even be doing it anyway and so it's 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 it's, not fair 
it is not fair because music is is so much deeper than that. There's a lot of like nuance to music and and ideas, and just because us as humans are 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 relegated to live music to not be able to have a a fifty piece orchestra to sing the vocal harmonies for Bohemian Rhapsody, like why why should I not <laughs> be able to put it onto music? Like that it's silly boy True, talk. Yeah. I, I have ideas and, here that that I'm I'm putting in. It's weird. But and then also for some bands, they like to jam on one song. Like it, some some bands do it really well. Well, where they they'll take like a four minute song of theirs and they'll stretch it out to seven or eight minutes, just because they want to noodle around and just kind of play off of each other and break up the monotony of a tour. And I think that's totally okay. That's that's awesome. And they they don't have to play it perfectly. They shouldn't have to play it perfectly. Really. Oh, are you talking about the Grateful Dead? Yeah, I'm just talking about. Well, mainly not them because they're not that great. But, <laughs> mainly you know, not a lot, them. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of other bands. A lot of other bands. <laughs> mainly not the jam band. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, like the worst of. The, well, I don't even say they're the. They're they're the best of the the big jam bands, but that's not saying a lot. Only like two. There's Fish and Grateful Dead. That's it. That's all you need. That's more than enough, honestly. Um, okay. what, we're talking about on the run. Yeah, on the run. On this the run. is this. It's a song of noises and sounds, letting everything kind of just sort of develop naturally, develop slowly. This is um the stereo sound of that like distorted helicopter sound. Oh, I love it. Going from channel to it. channel. This is one where I realized early on. This is the third track where I was like, "Fuck, man the the earbuds aspect of this or the headphones aspect of this is." wildly different than this than like the vinyls like listening to on the vinyls mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it kind of almost makes you think that that they made this album to be listened to like on earphones because that was i don't know it was weird like i felt i felt anxious i just i just, I just felt weird i felt weird in a way that i don't normally feel when listening to music it just felt weird well they they had also i mean i could be wrong i mean any sort of pink floyd or sound engineer purist would correct me, but they, they had recorded this album in like a quadraphonic style to where you had to, to get the proper listen, you had to listen to it with certain, like a certain like speaker setup and something like that. It was recorded in a very specific way to where you're not going to hear it in its full unless it was that way. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I, I mean, the quadraphonic, as as I know it, and that's just from my brief experience with our, our local record shop owner, Desi, and he's mm-hmm. explained it to me before, but it was just kind of like a failed attempt at, at bringing stereo to stereo. You're, you're, you're multiplying two channels to like four channels and trying to make sounds like that. But like what, what made this really cool and what I think would be really awesome to hear it in like a quadraphonic aspect is if you had like four speakers but like if you're just facing a wall and you had your the first speaker to your left like a hundred feet away and the speaker to that left you know twenty feet away whatever and space them out like thirty forty feet, what is happening here is uh, the the Doppler effect where a car driving towards you sounds different than a car driving away oh, from yeah. you because yeah, of the yeah. sound waves bouncing to and from that are getting closer and closer and closer and as it's driving away it's taking more time to go back and forth. And so with a quadraphonic like that, I think that would be a cool sound. But um, I don't know. I don't have a, a quadraphonic setup. I don't have a quadraphonic record. I don't know if that's even a thing. <laughs> if that makes a difference, I don't know. Well, I think I think it's just the logistics of it are they're out of the price range of most people. You know, well, and, I mean, and space I, of you know people aren't going to set up 
four speakers, like giant speakers and set them up a certain way for one, for, you know, a small amount of records. I actually do have one quadraphonic record and it's, uh, it's Janis Joplin. It's a Janis Joplin record and it's just in my to sell list, but it's, 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 it's mm. a, it's a, it's a quadraphonic pressing, but I don't have like the speakers to, to hook it up to. And if I did, I would be totally down to like, listen to the, the nuance of it. I mean, I want to, I want to know. I mean, it would be pretty fucking rad. And I don't know. Who knows? If it's cool. But it, I but can't it didn't even catch imagine. on. It didn't catch on. So like, I can't imagine that it's that great. I But like I said, I think it didn't catch on because of the, like, the cost of it. The cost of the record itself to make it that way. To record it that way. The cost it is to, to have the speaker, to have the actual setup to listen to it. Because you have to have the right, the right speakers, the right preamps, the right everything has to be perfect for it to have that for you to have that experience and the layman people aren't going to have that especially catch even, on in, at even all. in the 70s like even even in our vinyl group no one has ever posted like oh dude you guys if you never heard of like quadraphonic stuff like you should really check it out it's amazing it'll change your life like nobody talks about it even in the most True. like vinyl of vinyl groups nobody ever talks you should, about you it you should have you ever you should uh, make a post about it i'm fucking going it, to i'm going to take a picture really of the job job on record i'm cuz i'm curious i'm very curious too i'm i am i am and uh yeah this song this song uses the the panning and and the, the really the stereo use of it, it per, of it perfectly and there it's an instrumental obviously and from what i was reading too they this song pretty much just came from them fucking around with a new synthesizer they got. They didn't really didn't know what they were doing, so they were just making noises and this was kind of the result of that. And I think I think that's so cool to throw this onto this record. It's it's solid. And that again, that's I think it's it's called the Doppler I just looked it up again. It's called the Doppler effect. And that's okay. that's a sound that a that a object makes moving towards you is different than an object moving away from you. Because the sound waves are bouncing closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And closer. Yeah. And um you know, it's cool. Should we play a little bit of, of the song? Play the play a little bit of it and then I'm going to run and go to the bathroom probably during while you're playing it. Or okay. we could take a little break after I don't know what you want to do. No, I'll I'll play it. I'll play it right now. I will say though though, when, when people listening to this podcast maybe I shouldn't though, because when you listen to the podcast it's all in mono, so you're not gonna hear that the panning you're oh, not gonna hear. So like the- so like we went from quadraphonic to mono. To like the word, yeah, the complete opposite. Yeah. <laughs> we're just, we're just like cutting opposite. it away, cutting it away. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> At least you get the gist of it, and then you'll want to go listen to it. So yeah, here's uh, here's on the run from the Pink Floyd's.
go a bit of on the run from pink floyd there's so much more to this song anybody listening you gotta go listen to this with headphones on this entire record it's it's unbelievable it's fucking unbelievable so get into that um do we got anything else on this song what do you think um no no that's it all right so let's move on let's move on to time this is uh this is my one b I, this is definitely the best song on the entire record. So, what what are your kind of initial thoughts on this one? Um, dang. So I, I don't even know. Like like the clocks, the 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 timing. So like the biggest the biggest takeaway from for this from this for me was uh, Alan Parsons, mm-hmm. and Alan yeah. Parsons is part of the Alan Parsons Project, which um is a really really fucking boring kind of art rock prog band <laughs> that friend of the pod Sloan loves. And I've listened uh, to way more Alan Parsons project than I ever will for the rest of my life. But to find out that he is kind of like the mastermind behind a lot of the ideas, not just of this album, but kind of like some of the techniques that's going on. That was, that was peculiar. That was, yeah. that, that, that made me want to go back and re-listen to some of the Alan Parsons project, to be honest. I know I was very surprised by that too. And then after, and then I remember reading something about that Roger Waters said, I think it was Roger. He said that, you know, Alan Parsons taken more credit for the record than he should have. It was more about the band rather than his technique. It's like, dude, come okay, on. Okay. Yeah. That was after the fact, <laughs> after he yeah, blew up, like relax guy. Yeah. That, that was kind of obnoxious. Yeah. Kind of right. Obnoxious he's a, he's a cuck for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Like the, like the clock starts up. It's just, it's it starts up so well. It's so it's such a good like wake up. You know what I mean? Like 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 the like Beethoven's dan 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 that 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 yeah that story yeah, of how Beethoven did that part extra loud because people were falling asleep during his his performances. Like I time, didn't know that. I never heard that story. Yeah, like like I mean, I, this is completely hearsay and, and, and anecdotal and, and I yeah, yeah it could be completely false but I have heard stories of Beethoven the because every part after that is very quiet it's very soft he wrote the part to wake people up because they're falling asleep during his performances so he just slammed down those fucking keys to wake everybody up in much the same way that time when the clocks start here that is that's gonna fucking wake you up and coming off of On the Run which is a fucking banger of a song but it's very quiet. You could fall mm-hmm. asleep to on the run. You could. Yeah, I know. I agree because it, it has that. It's, it's a that soothing. It's a, yeah, it's it's a metronome, metronome song. Yeah. And, yeah, and time comes in, and it's just a bunch of clocks recorded individually and then thrown together into one <laughs> to create this really, really obnoxious, jarring sound. Yeah, literally, Alan Parsons went to like a clock shop. Fucking clock shop. Who goes to a clock shop? Where, where do they even? <laughs> where where are no, they nowadays? Where do you even find a, <laughs> where clock, do you go to a shop? clock shop? 
He it's goes like there and English re- thing or clock <laughs> shop. What the fuck is that? Unless you're like in like Germany and you go to like a like you know like a cuckoo clock or whatever. Like that's the only thing I could think of. Like that has to fucking be fucking clock. Yeah, and <laughs> so he goes there and records like a bunch of different clocks individually, and then brings them into the studio. As he actually did this as like a studio experiment. It was never meant to be on this record. It was all just like a kind of a a random thing. Like they 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 cut. I guess like Roger had come across it and knew about this and thought it sounded really cool. So they decided to make this a part of the record. But it, at first, it was it was never supposed to be a part of it. And uh, what I was going to say, every time those bells go off, it scares me. Every fucking time. <laughs> I, I, jolt, I jolt a little bit. I, I get a little scared. Because they're so loud. Yeah, like, and you just don't expect put it. them like, so loud in the mix. They do. And because the way, the way the last song fades out, it, it bleeds into this song. It really does. It bleeds into this song a little bit. But it fades out, and then it just it hits you so loud and so hard. It gets me every time. No, it's, it's, um, it's, it's fantastic. This is... If I had to pick like my one B, this would not be my one B. But okay. um, I don't know. It's 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 perfect. It's slow bass build. I, when the song like drops into the groove, it's the best drop on the album. It's it's the best. Yeah, yeah. It, I I think it might be like the best part of the album is when it drops into the groove. And it drops in a little. I think it drops in at like two minutes and fifteen seconds, or two minutes and ten seconds. So you you get quite a you get quite a build up. You got to work Until for that it. part. You, got, you yeah. got to work for it. And that's, I think that's like another reason why I like this album is I have to work for the relief. Most albums will, will throw out like, like buildups and they're just, they're stereotypical buildups, but this one makes mm. you like work for it. This one puts you through hell to get to that relief. And the clocks are that hell. And, and like we hear a, a metronome, which is like reminiscent of the sound of running. Right. And we just hear it. Like we just heard it from like on the run, and we hear this metronome thing. So like in slow bass build, and and it builds up to the drop. Like we got to work for this shit because it's unconventional. It's weird. It's not that melodic. It's just kind of. It's almost like filler, but it's so weird from being typical filler that we just were mesmerized. We we have to listen. But you, I think you, to me, I feel like you kind of need it, especially after reading the lyrics and what those are about like to me the 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 build-up it the first notes are like the just like this impending doom with with the bass the the subtle kind of guitar line but then the the keys come in like extra heavy kind of like the beethoven thing like you were saying and it comes in super heavy but it's very impending and it builds and builds and builds on that for the two minutes and then it immediately drops into like this happier tone once the vocals drop in, it becomes like a completely different song. It's like, to me, it's it's the narrator coming out of like a daydream, like a, like a not an I guess kind of a nightmare, but him just kind of in his own thoughts and just thinking about like all the bad things that are that are going to be happening to him, happening to him in his future, and then something just like sna- like happens and he snaps out of it, and now he's back into real life, and there's this it's it's happier, but the, to me there's still like this like melancholy sound to it all that's what i get musically on this and i feel like to me it goes hand in hand with the lyrics i i i like that i I, my 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 measly little lyric uh output here was was just a (laughs) a song about realizing you're no longer preparing for life but living in it preparing for the future but like while forgetting the present is becoming the past 
type of thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I see, like, that's, I that's like, good uh, too. I like I like yours a lot better. I I do. I but see, I'm only going mostly off of the music part of it. I, because you know, we've all kind of been there. You know, you kind of get lost in your own thoughts where you're just like thinking of all the worst possible scenarios of what's going to happen in the next couple of days or the next day or whatever. And then there's something happens, like something brings you out of that. And then it's like back to like kind of happiness, but you still have that, that impending doom in the back of your mind. And that's where that kind of melancholy comes into the, the happiness of the music. Cause it's not an overtly happy song. Once the, the vocals come in, I, I think it's a beautifully written song and that's, that to me is why this is my this is the best song on the record. I mean, the first like two fucking minutes are just dum dum dum. That's what I'm talking about. Dum, and that's just yeah, you're right. That's that's we've all had those moments where we're just like you you think like nothing good is gonna happen. Whatever you're thinking about, nothing good is gonna happen, and then you snap out of it. Well, that's a very like I don't know. Maybe that's a very Jedi Obi Wan way of of thinking about the future is not at the expense of the present. That's a very Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan uh, lesson to be learned, right? From episode one, that was what Obi-Wan yeah, was worried about with the future. He says, well, not, I, I, you, I shall be mindful of the future, but not at the expense of the present. That's, that's fucking time. Even the name that's time, great. like time, like time is such a, uh, it's, a, it's such a arbitrarily specific word, time, mm-hmm. right? Like we all know what time is, but really nobody knows fuck what time is. It's true. And, I don't know. Like when you really think about it, it's like, you know, how we perceive time is so different than like a five-year-old perceives time. Dude, time when is relative, baby. Old, it's stupid. Or like oh how animals God. perceive Wait time. till you get into fringe. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Wait till you get into fringe and talk about time. Oof. Oh, God. I'm going to rewatch fringe with you. And I, I, if they, I swear to God, if they fucking play time by Pink Floyd at any point in that series, I'm going to die. I will die. I'm getting giddy should, right should, now. I'm getting giddy. I'm smiling. I, this is this is good. This should is I good. play a bit of this song? And if I do, where should I start? Like closer to the happy part, so we hear some of the impending doom, or the beginning. What do you think? I don't even know. I don't it, know. It's, this because, one's hard because it, because I want people to hear the clocks, but be but like the I, I don't know. I haven't fucking that no first idea. note hit is so is so. Dum. Yeah, it's so like loud and it's so that's abrasive. nasty. That. Th- that's one of those notes that like digs deep into your chest cavity and like vibrates your heart in a way that just feels like like intrusive and weird and and kind of I don't know uncomfortable and unwanted but good. Yeah. But good. And what I love so much about this song too is that I love when Gilmore and Wright sing sing with each other or sing right after one another. I feel like their voices are just they're they're a little bit similar, but they just sound they go together so well, and I love it. And they they do share vocals a lot on this song. And then there's like that that chorus group that comes in with the the I think there's like three girls I can't remember their names right now, but they come in and they have some amazing parts on this this song as well to fill in the chorus and the way that they they sing on top of uh, Richard Wright's keyboard playing. It's it's this perfect mashup of just music and sound, and the song is truly, truly a masterpiece. It's, it really, uh, really is a masterpiece. It is, and, and like I said earlier, when the song drops, like it drops hard. It's it's arguably like the best transition within a song within the album, on the album. Yeah. And the bass is funky, it's groovy, but then the guitar, like he's matching it almost note for note. It's choppy. It's also very funky. 
it's a perfect blend. It's the only time in the album, I think, that they're both really trying to play their instruments to their fullest, to their to their fullest capabilities and meshing well together, like perfectly. And yeah. I, I would I would tend to agree with you on that. Dude, the solo, like the solo is just as you expect oh, to have it, right? It's a psychedelic yeah. fucking trip. It's non show offy. It's a groove that leads like the melody. It carries the song on its own, really. And the solo still plays really well with like Waters' bass riff. And like towards yeah. the end of the song, it gets back to that easygoing riffage from the beginning. And, and I, so, dude, it's just. And, and like it's, the end. The end, the, mm-hmm. like the end of this, it 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 has <laughs> it has a song transition and it utilizes like a different root chord, right? So we're 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 used to 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 the 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 whatever the a whatever chord it's in, or the mm-hmm. four five. I don't know. The, if we're getting into the crazy uh, <laughs> trilling off the here, actual, the but, actual songwriting part of it, yeah. But like the the last of it, um, it, it goes into like a different chord which is still in line with what they're talking about, with what they're saying, with what they're playing, but it's off key, but it's only off key because we know what's been happening for the past five minutes, but it's not off Mm -hmm. key because it transitions into a different key to the next song. And that's the only other song that I I know that just offhand that does it like that is um, only in dreams by Weezer at the very end of only in dreams (laughs) is this. You reference that song a lot because it's so fucking good. Because it's yeah. so goddamn good, and that's it. Because it's it's a classic song that is that's oft forgotten. And I oh, totally! Give, I want to totally. give more credit where credit is not ever being due. Given, but yeah. but but time is time is uh, time is like that. And I, I like again, I don't know because this is this is this is an instance where I think this band is not that great, but they are playing to their fullest potential. But then they do shit mm-hmm. like this. They do shit like this. That's like, okay, this is. This is next level thinking stuff. So this makes me think that either they are like really utilize like like uh, limitless Bradley Cooper taking that pill and really using their mind to its fullest fucking capabilities, or they're Wait, smarter. Bradley Cooper. Yeah, limitless. You ever seen Limitless? No, I've never seen Limitless. Oh, dude, Bradley Cooper is a movie where Bradley Cooper takes like this ecstasy pill <laughs> and it makes him use his brain. You know, everybody says, "Oh, you we only use ten percent of our brains." Bradley Cooper takes his pill where he uses 100% of his brain and he turns into this psychotic genius that like can fucking bend time and shit. It's fucking weird. It's trippy. But like that's what this... <laughs> what am I going with this? What are you talking about? I don't know. You brought this up. <laughs> I thought you meant to say like Bradley Noel like with like a songwriting thing but then you jumped to Bradley Cooper. Oh, oh yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's an instance like this that makes me almost think that, oh, these, that these guys are smarter than I give them less credit for because i don't think that they're very great musicians i just think they're using their own good musicianship to its fullest potential but then things like this transition things like using these different cordages to transition to a different song makes me think that they are better than i thought that they were which i still don't think that they are i think they are just literally maxing out their own personal like uh, musicianship bar if we're doing like an RPG thing, like they've maxed out their stats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I feel That's like a good way understand. to put it. Dark Dark Side is this band maxing out their stats. They've now maxed out their okay. stats. That's that's fair. That's fair. I also feel like they understand the concept of it, but they don't always know how to you or they don't always know how to comprehend not comprehend it, but execute it. They don't know how to execute 
the concept, but they understand it. So when they when they do come across it, they think, "Oh fuck, we did it. Let's expand on it." And this is one of those examples. Yeah, that's what this is. Yeah. That makes any fucking sense. So I, I I don't think we should play time. Time is a song that you have to listen to. From uh, yeah, to well, like where would you start? It? It's where a, would you, you end? Can't, it? You just... can't. There's too. There's too much. There's too much. So we got. We yeah. gotta skip this one. I don't. Yeah. We it's skip it's not one. fair. It's not fair. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay, the next song here is the Great Gate in the Sky. Okay, I, we gotta go back a little bit because I did Why? the research on it. Because I, I did the research on it. I want to talk about it on time. Yeah. Okay, then what do you got? You, you Nick Mason, you his use. I, I didn't tell you I didn't. You did. That's okay. I never did that. When you listen to this again, little tri- I'll triple or nothing you right now. <laughs> I know for a fact I didn't. Uh, Nick Mason uses this thing called rototoms. Yes. Yes. And uh, I didn't know what the fuck a rototom was. And then I read the wiki entry for what rototom, and I still didn't quite understand what the fuck a rototom was. So I watched a video on YouTube. So what the mm-hmm. fuck is a rototom? I typed it in. I said, what the fuck is a rototom? And this guy um, showed me a video of what the fuck a rototom was. And these are super dope. Like, have you seen these yeah, they're in, cool. in they're real like life? Super, aren't they super thin, like, not snares, but just toms without the chain? Or they, snares without the chain, right? I mean, what they are really is a, is a, is a drum head that you can rotate, like, clockwise or counterclockwise to achieve a different pitch. So you are oh, rotating okay. it 90 degrees, 180 degrees, whatever it is, to like achieve a different pitch. But they have like a really solid crack to them. And if you watch like videos of guys playing rototoms, and they'll have like five of them or six of them. And if, if you can get a guy that will have like, like I don't know, 12 rototoms or like 15 rototoms, they theoretically could play any song ever because they have every single note in like the keys, right? Like a, like like a mm-hmm. keyboard, like a piano, like any octave, anything they want to play, they could play it with the rototoms. Yeah. So you like you hit it, and with your hand, you move it like ninety degrees. You hit it again, and it's a different note. It's fucking That's crazy. Cool. It's yeah, so it's cool. It, yeah. They they look fucking great. It looks like 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 uh like cool like rims on a car. They look see through. <laughs> they look fucking dope. And I I I never heard of these before. I never seen it before. And this was just something that blew my mind also that somebody used these ever because they seem like a complete novelty. <laughs> they kind of are, though, because nobody ever really uses them. 100% novelty. Like, this is <laughs> impractical in a in a rock band status. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're recording, you're recording in studio, there's really no reason to use it. But damn, fucking dope. I would buy them in a heartbeat. <laughs> I swear to God I would. They can't be that expensive. Maybe a couple hundred bucks at most. Yeah, we'll see. Are they all the same diameter and size? So, like Remo made them, like like the the drum head company Remo. Yeah, yeah. They made um, the, I think the original Rototoms. So I, I would I would assume that that they didn't catch on, so nobody wants them anymore. But given that like Nick Mason made them wildly popular on Dark Side, that makes me worried that like oh these are fucking Nick Mason's Rototoms. I'm from Dark Side now. They're two thousand dollars. <laughs> They're they're very eighties looking as well. Like I could see a lot of eighties drummers yeah. using them on their kids. Dude, they sound so good though. Like I mean, if you ever get around to watching any video of somebody playing them, 
Man, that crack! Like you like you like a good you, you like oh, a good dude, snare, a good crack. snare crack. crack. You like oh. a good I know you like a good snare oh. crack. Give me give me a good piccolo snare. Fuck, man! man. Do you you listen you listen you listen to these cucks and schmucks playing these red toms? Ooh, <laughs> ooh! It's like it's like it's it's literally like somebody cracking like a good like 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 chewing gum, like a good yeah, yeah. like sixties Sandlot fucking Babe Ruth chewing gum. <laughs> See, I I've always seen these drums. I I've, I'm familiar with them, but I've never heard them played. Like I've seen them on drummers' kits. Like I think I know I know um, what's it? Terry Bozio ha- has had them on his kit. Neil Peart I think has had them. I think even uh, one of the guys from Primus. I I don't know if it was Brain or if it was uh what's his name, but Tim Tim. But I know somebody from Primus has had them. So definitely seen them, but never heard them played. And that's fucking dope. If like, I mean, I I think now going forward, if I see somebody have these on their kit, I'm automatically going to hold them in higher regard. <laughs> even though, the, even if they never play them, even they never play, just because they have them on their on their dude. Kit. Yeah. I wonder if Michael on the road had a bunch of these roto toms, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah. Michael on the road, Michael on the road only ever played guitar to a backing track. He never. No, had he a did it. No, he was the I drummer. I don't think he ever had a drummer. No, Michael no, on the wasn't. road was only a drummer. Yeah, he was no, only no, a drummer. No, you're thinking of somebody else. No, no, no. No, you're thinking. You're thinking of of the dreadlock dude. He was only the drummer, or he was only the guitar player. Michael on the road was the guy that had like a gong, and he had like the big old mallets, and he'd like like wave his arms in the air, like he's <sighs> like flailing in a fire. Michael on the road was was only Are a percussionist. Sure? Oh yeah, he was. Yeah, that yeah that was Michael on the road. See, I'm I'm trying to look it up right now, but because okay, anybody who's not from like Southern California who went to Disneyland a lot in the 2000s, there's some dude, a couple guys, musicians who would play in downtown Disney, and this guy Michael on the road, he, it was terrible. Well, there was there was there was essentially two there people a, that played at downtown Disney that got our attention. One was Michael on the road because he is just a percussionist and he had uh, a. I, a 45 piece drum set and with a gong and, and all these things. And he was a solid percussionist, but it was, he, he would play to a backing track of like symphonic um, music. And it was, it was dumb. It was, it was stupid, but he was a really good drummer, whatever. The other guy was, I don't remember his name because he didn't have a goofy name like Michael on the road. But the other guy was, was just some like dreadlock dude that played an acoustic guitar. And when it okay. occasionally attached a like tambourine to his foot, to where he'd be yeah. playing like these crazy bluesy riffs, but that was not Michael on the road. That that guy was I just. I, I could I could have like, them mixed up. That was like Jimmy or fucking somebody. I don't know who the <laughs> fuck it was, but that dude was fantastic. I could I could have them mixed up, but no, 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 you can't have them mixed up because you do have them mixed up. That's that's the uh, <laughs> that's what's happening here. I fucking guarantee, <laughs> goddamn, to you, you have them mixed up. Dude, I I put in Michael on the road into Google, nothing. I put Michael on the road downtown Disney, nothing came up. Oh, that's brutal, poor guy. Dude, he was there like every other day. I know. Like, there's no. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Internet presence. You ask. You ask Ryan. You ask friend of the pod Ryan if he remembers Michael on the road, and ask him what instrument he played. I will. I will. I'll don't don't any, say don't say anything else. No, I would just. I'll say, do you remember Michael on the road at downtown Disney? Like, we used to go there on the way into Disneyland. <laughs> and then if he says, yeah, then I'll say, what do you remember about him? Like, what instrument did he play? 
<laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it is. We'll see how it, what he says. He'll yeah, he'll be one side of the coin. The other side of the coin would be Annie. Like Annie would know will know for sure. Like empirically, which which Michael on the road. Yeah. Because the only reason I know Annie would know is because Annie and I would make fun of him all the fucking time. Like it became this running joke between her and I. But that means you're making if 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 you think the other guy is Michael on the road, then you're making fun I'm of the guy that sure was actually really good. I I think Michael on the road was the guy who played the acoustic guitar and played the foot tambourine and had these little other things. And he had this pose, this huge like not even backdrop, but like it was a mix between like a backdrop and a poster st- sitting behind him. And he sold CDs, and that was Michael on the road, and that's why we made fun of him because he wasn't very good at all. Like his music was just beyond boring. I think you're mixing the two into one bad musician. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Otherwise, this is this is a really wild tangent that, yeah. like I said, nobody would understand unless you no. went to Disneyland a lot between the years of 2001 and like 2010. You would have no <laughs> idea what we're talking a very about. Very small percentage of the people on Earth. <laughs> As opposed to like the entire populace of Earth liking uh, Dark Side of the Moon, the Dark Side of the Moon, the great big, uh, the great gig in the sky. That's the next song we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, great gig in the sky. Track five. Track five. What do you got on this one? Um, I mean, it's you know, it's breathe. It's similar to breathe. The beginning part of this has this this, this slide of stuffs and the lead stuffs. It's it's similar and it's fine. I I think the great gig in the sky exists. Because of the uh, the vocal part, the female vocal part. That's yeah, yeah. that's why this song exists, right? And it's sung by somebody named Claire Claire Tory. Claire Tory, yes. I I've never heard of her, and I don't think um, that's a fault by anybody because nobody ever would. She's a ses- She was a session vocalist from the Abbey Road Studios era. She laid down two takes on this track and then stopped midway through the third. And was like, you know what? I I felt like I've already done my best at this point. I'm just gonna be repetitive. I'm done, and that was it. Fucking dope, dude. Like like, that's it. That's it. That's all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, what, what know, more do you want from me? <laughs> it's 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 a really really good extended vocal solo. And normally this shit would piss me off. This shit would be like, like 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 why you have this here? This is a rock band. This is a prog band. This is a band that's like conceptualizing something. But now we have a, a vocal part where somebody's using their vocals as a, like an instrument. And that's fine, whatever I guess. But in, in in terms like of a rock band, I don't I don't understand it. But on this one, I I dig, I dig yeah. because I think it's such a good transition from from time to money, and I think it's, it's just almost like, like <laughs> you kind of have to, you, you need this like relaxing period. Or not relax like you. Need, this is almost like an interlude. Dude, time takes a lot out of you. It really does. It's there's a lot to digest. There's a lot going on with time, and I think going from time to money, where we're just talking about two like really really heavy things, we need somebody in the middle to kind of break up that that I don't know that depressing monotony almost. Yeah. But even yeah, like the yeah. way she sings, she's such a fucking killer singer. And I don't know if she's, she's a killer amazing. singer, but I just know she's a killer singer right now. And from what I was reading too, she she came in and they really gave her. At first, they didn't give her really any guidance, and they were like, "Here are some of the." Well, they they pretty much said like, "Here's some like, here's the high part, the low part. Here's kind of what we want you to sing." And then she actually tried to like throw in actual words and like, "No, no, 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 no words, just just sing." And then that kind of threw her off. And then what? According to her, she said at that point she realized, "Okay, I'm going to use my my." 
my voice more as an instrument rather than a, a vocal thing, like a vocal, like a singer. So she, she, the way she approached it mentally was very different in the end, and that's why we get this particular performance because she, she kind of treated it as like a, say, a guitar solo or, or like a keyboard solo or, or a piano solo. She treated it more as that rather than an overall like vocal melody. And, yeah. And it was really cool. It, it worked out really well. And then, I mean, yeah, she, she was paid as a, as a session musician. I think she was paid like 30, 30, 30 bucks, of, baby. 30, I think, I think as the English would say, 30 quid. I think that's the the proper yeah, whatever the proper the thing fuck to say. A quid. That's like a like an animal <laughs> quid. These Englishmen and the their fuck a quid is. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck a quid is. These Englishmen <laughs> and their fucking monetary denominations. Fucking skip over here. He'll, he'll let us know. He'll let us know. What you ever a heard of a quarter is. or a dime? Come on, guys. <laughs> Have you heard of George Washington? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's so good. It's so stupid. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> so fucking douchebaggy it it's so, it's so good terrible. you ever heard of george washington that's like something like somebody who supports donald trump would say like you ever heard of george you heard of the constitution <laughs> it's so oh, that dumb. was good that was a good one oh, I, th- I think i think we found the opener for this episode you ever heard of george washington oh, oh that was so dumb uh but anyway yeah she was <laughs> she was paid 30 pounds or 30 quid i think and uh, which comes out to be i think like five grand or four thousand dollars or something in today's standards and um so she didn't even know she was going to be on the record because i guess there was no enthusiasm after she recorded the tracks so she she supposedly she didn't even know she was on it until she saw the record at the record store after it was released and she saw she was credited and then i guess in 2004 if i'm not mistaken i think it was 2004 she uh, ended up like suing them and like for more money and for like songwriting credits. And then in 2005, she was um, she was given the songwriting credit and an undisclosed amount of money, settlement money, which it's it's cool. I mean, I I don't knock her for that at all. It's it's hard because without knowing, I mean, like we're talking a history of almost 50 years, right? Like like we just yeah we don't know what transpired between her doing this and then her suing. And like the way we're, we're, we're made to believe is, is she did the studio work and she was paid for it and that's it. Let's call it a day. But I mean, it, it's it, like nothing's ever that easy. And so if there yeah. was any like unscrupulous act, if they if withheld information from her and said, oh yeah, bring them do this and whatever, I don't know, paying somebody 30, 30 squids as opposed to you <laughs> making, you know, $500 million. Like, yeah, there's gonna be a little animosity. And like, if she had reached out, I'm like, "Hey, dude, like, just so you know, like, the great gig in the sky, people love that shit. Like, do you want, do you, like, do you mind throwing me some cash?" And if they had mm-hmm. said, "Like, no, nah, fuck off, fuck off," eh? That was a horrible <laughs> accent. That was great. <laughs> but like, if they had said "fuck off," then like maybe she should be, you know, upset about it or whatever. But I, I don't know. There's a, there's way more nuance to it, and, and and people should be getting paid for what they fucking put in. That's that is just bottom line, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Like you, like and, you put in also, work, you get paid for it. Kind of also, um, you know, reading more about the legal ball- legal battles between Roger Waters and Pink Floyd oh, after God. Waters had left in 1985. I mean, that this is a whole other story. Like the whole 
battle between Waters and Gilmore is stupid. Silly boy talk. <laughs> fucking Waters tried to sue them for, you know, use of the name. And they're like, there's never been anything formal in writing under the Pink Floyd name. Like, you, nobody owns that. No, like, you, you guys are barely musicians, for God's yeah. sakes. <laughs> like, you did, ev- it's almost like they did everything wrong in the beginning to sign as Pink Floyd and, like, make this, like, a huge proper corporation. So if they weren't able to do that, why, I mean, something as simple as this Claire Tory woman coming back for more money is, I mean, they're, Pink Floyd's obviously going to lose. If they couldn't even get their own band name, you know, under the proper ownership. Yeah, this whole band, and, and Roger Waters more specifically, is just a shit show. Which is, I mean, it's, 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 it's impressive because I mean, like Dark Side is it's fucking we're like what seven eight albums deep here in Pink Floyd's discography, yeah. and they still haven't learned to to be better businessmen. And I mean, music yeah. music is is supposed to be about the music, but like music is also a business. You are creating a a, a brand. You are creating like a, a, a namesake for yourself. And Harvest Record, which is was not a a a, a independent group. It was it was owned by Capital. Like it was yeah. fucking, they, you know what I mean? It was, I don't know. It was their big business. And then big even, business. Um, even, even um, Gilmore. Oh, fuck, I don't remember what it was, what year it was, but Gilmore realized that they were kind of getting ripped off, and he actually took control over all the finances and and the paperwork and and the royalties and everything. And ever since he 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 started to do everything himself, everybody got started to get paid properly for their royalties. So apparently up for for a long time, it was a fucking giant shit show until Gilmore took control of it all. Because this is is so weird. It's not weird because this this is like another example of just people that want to be in a band and be in a rock band so badly that they will hire somebody and not look at like tax returns, not look at where the expenses are going. And it's as long as the girls and the drugs and the booze and and some money is coming in. They don't but isn't care. it also? But think about think about it this way too. Like when you okay, so Pink Floyd, obviously one of the biggest bands of all time. You have a band like that who we we hear very little from like the product from like you know manager wise and all that kind of stuff. But then when you get to a band like the Rolling Stones, uh, the Beatles, uh, Zeppelin, their their managers and their their financial people are so they're so ingrained in the history of that band. But with Pink Floyd, it's the complete opposite. You never read about anybody related to the band outside of the, the four band members, or five band members. That is weird. Isn't that kind of weird, right? Because like, remember, weird. I remember especially doing the Rolling Stones thing. Remember they, like they, they got, in, got in, they were with like that big banker guy, that billion dollar banker guy and Zeppelin had their shit and then all the bullshit with the Beatles managers over the, over the 12 years that they were a band. But nothing with Pink Floyd. But maybe that's like just the, because, I, I, don't, I don't know, maybe that's just because it took Waters and Gilmore longer to realize that they're getting there's a lot of money getting skimmed off the top. But just like how how can they just be, have been taken advantage of? Like if they had been taken advantage of, how could they? How could that have been for so long, or not even for so long? Maybe they weren't even being taken advantage of. Like how is it that nobody came along to try to take advantage of them? Like like the pessimistic in me looks at at things like that when a manager becomes as big as the band, especially with like the Beatles, right? Like a lot of their managers, yeah. I can't name them off the top of my head because I don't yeah, like I the Beatles. Been. I literally don't care. But, but we literally it, just talked about it too. 
I literally don't care. Literally no, 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 but do what, not what I care. mean is like, you know, we but were like, just talking about it, so that's why it's being brought up. I know, but like but like when when band managers become as big as the band, that makes me think that the band manager has now taken upon themselves to make them relevant. And I think that is weird. And that again, that's mm-hmm. just the pessimist in me is just me thinking that you are not like you are a vital part of the band yes like the band would probably not exist without you i get it you are the you are booking shows you are doing a lot of things that the band cannot do for themselves but by you thinking you are the band or part of the band is is building yourself up bigger than you actually are thus drawing a bigger paycheck and i think that from the big bands like the stones the beatles and then um zeppelin and zeppelin for sure too like that story we heard about the the grand funk opening up for Zeppelin and then overshadowing oh, yeah. Zeppelin and the manager mm-hmm. for Zeppelin threatening grand funk. Like you better fucking tone it down or I'm going to choke you out. Cause the manager for Zeppelin <laughs> at the time was fucking massive. Yeah. Like, that's yeah, just, yeah. that's just these guys making themselves out to be bigger than they actually are. So they can draw a bigger paycheck. Whereas Pink Floyd, their record label, their managers, everybody for Pink Floyd is, is surreptitiously sneakily doing things, drawing bigger paychecks and not causing any trouble, much like much like MLB owners, and like in like oh, oh fuck it, much like much like the <laughs> Illuminati, much, <laughs> much like the Illuminati of Earth, like all these all these old money folks here are drawing big paychecks and not causing any waves. They they let us kind of sort it out ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah, it could be. And that's like that's like Pink Floyd, or maybe Pink Floyd. The guys in Pink Floyd secretly sold their rights. You know, they made like a non disclosure thing saying. You can't talk about this, this or that, and we'll give you X amount, a lot of money, but you know we'll make the most of it, and that's why they're one of the most successful bands of all time. And they haven't made a big fuss about any sort of manager or record label overstepping. Well, they're also not. I mean, they've made a lot of pop music too, but they're. I mean, Pink Floyd is not in the same plane as like the Beatles. Like they, Pink Floyd is not made. But a, they're close. They're close. As far as success, yes. But as far as like making a, a recognizable pop song, like no, not even close. Not but even but when fucking, we're talking about not in the same influence. solar system. But when we're talking about influence, you can argue yes. Honestly, Pink Floyd is dumbed down to the cover art of Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> so you're saying so? And I so fucking when, hate so the Beatles, saying, and I I cannot stand the early days of the Beatles. But like, I want to hold your hand will live on longer than any Pink Floyd song. But no, you're right, the you're cover right, you're art right. of Dark Tide of the Moon will live on longer than goddamn near any... Besides Abbey Road, the cover art of Dark Tide of the Moon will live on longer than probably any other musical facet ever. It's possible, yeah. Ever. And I, I don't really want to say this because it, it will tarnish the way you feel about Pink Floyd, but I'm going to say it anyway because I don't care. Pink Floyd is the Sex Pistols of prog rock. Oh, is that fair? <laughs> I don't like it. Uh, I don't like nasty. it. Nasty. It's nasty. But I don't like but it. But I will say I will. Oh, no, mm, no, that's right. I had a but rebuttal, then, but, but then, then I realized Sex Pistols fit in with fit in with my rebuttal. So, <laughs> but then remember also Johnny Rotten was it's he was famous for wearing that Pink Floyd shirt at the beginning of Sex Pistols saying, you know, Pink Floyd sucks or fuck Pink Floyd or something stupid like that. 
So maybe they are. Maybe they are the sex, the equivalent of the Sex Pistols to the genre. You never know. I don't like it, but you never know. I mean, I, I mean, like we've had this this conversation over and over of, of prog rock being not just like a musical term, but also like a mindset, like punk. Like punk is not just a, a sound, but also a mindset. And yeah, Pink yeah. Floyd does both really well. They do like animals, like fuck me. That is a really, really good prog rock album. But Dark Side, Dark Side is a better prog rock album in mindset than Animals was. Like they set out to do something different and dude, like money, time, like things are fucking weird on this one. So like the mindset aspect of the prog rock realm of Dark Side is better than Animals in that aspect. Even though I like Animals better and I think it's a better prog rock album. It's just different. What, like, why is why is Pink Floyd like the most uh, one of, like one of the most underrated, overrated bands of all time? They really are. <laughs> I don't know. They really are, right? right? No, I agree. Because they're 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 literally their most their three most popular albums. I think only one of them is truly amazing, and that's Dark Side. And, and people only fucking know the Wall. Honestly, fucking honest yeah, to God, I know people they only know, know the, the wall, wall because they only know that fucking that one part. Yeah, the the second part, not even the other three part, other two parts. I don't even know the two part. I just know the one part. <laughs> like I just, I just listen to it. Uh, I only I only really know the other parts because of Corn. That's really it. Because Corn did a great cover of all th- of all four parts technically. Because they did Goodbye Cruel World as well. But yeah, that's really the only reason why I know the entirety of that song. It's because of Corn. Otherwise, yeah, you only know part two. Part two is that that's the only important part, great part. I'm going to start asking people, like, like because I, I talk about music at the bar a lot, and I'm going to start asking people if they like Pink Floyd. Of course, everybody likes Pink Floyd, right? I'm going to yeah. say, name your top three favorite Pink Floyd albums, and I swear to fucking God, if their top three are Dark Side, fucking Wish You Were Here in the Wall, I'm going to kick them out. They're gone. They're done. They're 86. Okay. You're cut off. Okay, say five years ago, you wouldn't be able to name more than those three that's true. I guarantee you. Got you me there. You, you got me there. You it. got me there. No, you got me there. You got me there. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. I would not kick him out at that moment. I'll you would think him, about it. I'll ask yeah. him why. I'll ask him why, and then I'll kick him out. You'll question them further. You got it. Before I, I kick him but, out. But, but before I kick him out, I will say, just so you know, you were getting a second chance right now because <laughs> friend of the pod, Tyler, uh, co-host, actually owner of the pod, said that I should the not kick you out pod, at the yes. moment right now. You are lucky. Mm-hmm. All right, so okay, let, let's get in, dude. We're only we're half. Let's get into money, baby. Let's get into money. This is. This oh, we didn't even talk about great game, going. but that's fine. That's we fine. did. Did we not? I thought we we didn't. Uh, we oh, oh yeah, we did. We did. We did. Okay, yeah, we we yeah, we got through most of it. Yeah, let's get into money. You're right. Yeah, money. The, like I said at the beginning, this is the first song I have I had heard from or that I remember hearing from Pink Floyd, and it stood out. That baseline, the the money mach- the the cash register, the the coins clinging. It's it's a real standout song. This is uh, this is the only song by Pink Floyd ever that I remember listening to in my in my growing up phase of of life. <laughs> like this is this is it. I, I I I know money. Yeah, I mean even even the rock stations played this song more than yeah. any other song, even more than Brick in the Wall or Comfortably Numb. Yeah, this was the this is the big Pink Floyd song that the radio and it's, always, um, played, always played. It's cool, like the the uh, that that iconic like money beat intro. It's I don't know. It's kind of a cool symbolic gesture that that could be taken as like a society finding beauty and money. 
right? Because mm-hmm. like money is kind of like the aspect of the song, and then you know the whole concept of the album is life and death and the trials and tribulations of such going through the motions and money. Now we are we are making a beat out of a cash register, but it's a good beat and it makes sense. It's a great it flows beat, yeah. and it's solid. But now we're finding beauty in like like money and that's gross. And then it goes into that bass line and it's the song's like very so good. The song is very bluesy. It's a very bluesy little number, but it also is, kinda yeah. has like this little like jazzy, like staccato feel to it. The the ba- the bass plane is very jazzy, but the guitar plane is very bluesy. It's a nice it's a nice combination of the of the two styles. Because it has that swingy jazz thing going on. The bass wise. Bass wise. But guitar playing is very it's more straightforward blues than jazz for sure. And this is uh this is a, this is the song that is in like a different time signature that we, we talked about seven earlier. Four. This is the seven four, but like if you if you tap along to it, like if you're trying to play drums to it, right? You get the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three. It's tough. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to play drums to. It really is not no. because it's unconventional. It's fucking weird. And like, like David Gilmer later on said, this is actually a seven eight time signature. I know. It's like get the fuck uh, out of here. Okay, guy, relax. <laughs> you get you you lay down a good bass line and you built a song around it and you just so happen to have a drummer that could play along to it. Relax. <laughs> Chill. But fuck me, that bass line is god damn, it's beyond good. It is it's beyond it is. fucking good. I you after this song, you hear a lot of bands after this song came out and you're like, okay, they were inspired by this song. Like especially once the 90s, like 90s bands hit, you know, I can't even think of any particular band, but I know I've heard shit similar to this, to this particular song. It's so iconic. And uh, going back to like this, the, the time signature thing, what I was reading is as far as like I could tell, this is the only top 20 song to ever have a, a 7-4 time signature. Like top 20, you know, American, U.S. song. To ever have a seven four time signature, it, it, it was probably the only top twenty song to ever have a not four four time signature. To be honest, yeah, like, yeah, honestly, yeah, that's true. And that that is one hundred percent because of the baseline. <laughs> you don't even understand how how it's not that difficult, but you don't understand like how on top of his game, like like the drumming has to be in order to make up for the fact that this is not a four four. Like 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 yeah. Nick Mason had to be on his game to create a drum beat on top of that bass line to not overshadow it to not like jazz it up because I mean jazz musicians do this shit all the fucking time it's no big deal yeah but to not not like overshadow yeah to not overshadow the, the the bass line but to keep up with it and it's 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 fucking perfect this it, I didn't realize how deep of a song musically this was until this week. I had no fucking clue. It's 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 great. The only thing that I never realized was so cheesy, but I still really like is the saxophone. I love the sax. I, I always God, I always forgot that so there's a saxophone. Stupid. It is so dumb. <laughs> this is like this is like the beginning of like bad jazz fusion. Like this, you're writing the line. There's a lot of being bad we'll get jazz there later fusion on in the album, but yeah, there's there's some there's some pretty borderline bad jazz fusion. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I never, I just always kind of forget about it when I listen to it. But until this week, when, when, wow, dude, it comes in 
It comes in loud. It comes in aggressive and not even in a cool way. It, it was it was a little rough, but it was still good. And then reading more about how like Gilmore uh, tracked the his guitar solo, the guitar solo and everything, he, he double tracked it, playing essentially the same notes but on different sides. And it's a little unnerving when you listen to that solo because it's not perfect. You no. could tell it's not perfect at all, but damn it, it serves the song so well. I love it. Absolutely love it. And that was like that. That's at the time when the song kicks up into like the more traditional four four. And it gets mm-hmm. into like a, a, a good, a good groove because it's the seven four or the seven eighth. It's 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 there. The groove is there, but that's just because you're sticking onto the bass line. But you can kind of like bob your head side to side. But then you realize that your your head bobbing from side to side is kind of off. Whereas like on the on the on the on beats you'd be to the left and the off beats you'd be to the right. Now it's opposite, mm-hmm. so you know something's not quite right, even though you're in time with the song. And that's yeah, what's yeah. so great about this fucking song is that anybody that just knows how to just keep a beat like bobbing their head left to right knows that this song is a little bit off. There's something a little bit weird about this song that I don't quite know what it is, and that's what's so beautiful about it. I agree. And Ex- what I thought accessible jazz shit right here. <laughs> accessible jazz. Yeah, no, that's that's a good way to put it. It really is. And what what I think was cool too because you know, at this point we hadn't really seen Roger Waters. We hadn't seen his ego, you know, come out in full force yet on this record or at, at this part of their career. And I like that, you know, this is generally a more Roger Waters driven song, you know, with that especially because that bassline but I like how he he has Gilmore sing the song rather than him. Like he could have easily, this could have been his song, like through yeah. and through. Yeah. But oh. the fact that he he was like David, I like he pretty much said like I want you to sing this song. You would you would be better. And then reading more into like the whole Pink Floyd career, I guess Roger wasn't very confident in his own singing, and that's why David sang a lot of music, even the songs that Roger wrote. He still sang. David still sang them because Roger was a little bit insecure. And I had no idea. I mean, that, that's I think that's pretty cool. I mean, not cool that he was insecure, but the cool that he felt com- that it was cool that he felt comfortable enough for David to sing his his lyrics, his music, and all that kind of stuff. I like that. Yeah, this is the last of the greats, right here. Really, I mean, yeah. Besides animals, but animals is a Roger. It's pretty much a Roger solo record too. Yeah. In the end. It, I mean, he wrote most of the record. That's I mean, true. I think I think Gilmore only wrote Dogs. That was the only part of that record he wrote, and even that was like snippets from like B sides from his solo record. It was something weird like that. So it wasn't even like a true, true Gilmore song. But and Final Cut's really good. But that's right. Final, it's really not, man. It's purgeable. <laughs> purgeable. It's not purgeable. It is purge. I I am purging it. It's not oh that it's, it's. I am purging it. But uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we already played Money. We so did play money. We, uh, we we kind of talked about it lyrically. Uh, do you have anything else to say about it? No, that's day? that's it. That's all. Do we got like four more tracks here? Let's. Uh, I know we'll, we'll bust through them pretty quick. But money, another thing lyrically, I wanted to mention about Ro- what Roger Waters said about this song after, like ten, fifteen years after this, he said at the time he was he was very unsure about writing the song, and then when the the whole album blew up, he was very conflicted, like. He pretty much, I'm very much paraphrasing, but he pretty much said, um, I feel bad because I I have a very socialist attitude and, and viewpoint on life and society, 
but now I have become a capitalist. I've become everything that I don't like. I know. But what? I've ex- but I've accepted it. He said, I've accepted it that I've become a capitalist. It's like and then he said, but I still believe in socialist Mm-hmm. You know, whatever socialist oh, government. Yeah. I don't even oh, know sure. exactly what. Let's go. That fucking money starts rolling. I know. It's just like fucking dude, you're so cuck. full of shit. He is, of course. Come on, dude. All that fucking dark side money starts rolling. All that wish you were here money starts rolling. And then when all that the wall money starts to roll in, please, guy. But then, please. but then they lost a lot of money on that tour too. Do you remember that? Did well, you read just, about that? They spent a lot of money on like the extravagant aspects of the tour. Well, my, but they still favorite, made a fuck ton of money. My favorite part of it was that they had fired Richard Wright, and then they hired him on as a session musician, as a session player or a touring player. And Richard ended up ma- ended up making more money than all three of guys, three of the guys in the band. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the whole story was that he made more money after getting fucked over. That was so cool to me, but whatever. Roger Waters, I I I, I was very surprised at everything I read about this guy. I, I agree with some things he says, but overall, it's it's a little rough. I mean, like, like, it's yeah, you 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 agree with some things he says, but you realize that even the things you agree with are, are just strictly out of like almost almost spite. Like, like I'm entitled to this money because of this, which is like, yeah, it's your fucking money. Like, you're entitled to it. You wrote this song, you should be entitled to it. But then it's yeah. just it's yeah. like, damn, like there's no other, I don't know, th- there's no other conclusion you could have came to other than I'm leaving this band. Now you're getting sued. Now you're getting sued again. Now you're getting sued again. Like, come on, man. Like, there's, like, you, like, I, you cannot like reconcile whatsoever with with Gilmore to to come up with like a better solution than just being a bunch of little babies in court. I guess I don't know. He's a whiner. He's a whiner. Yeah, he is. He's a whiner. He really is. Fucking Roger Winers, what his name should be. Roger Winer. Roger Winers. I guess this uh, this leads into uh, us and them. What do you got on this one? <laughs> you said that weird. Us and them. 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 Flawless transition, right? Really? Yeah. Again, here we here we are again. Uh, quiet and calm song. This is like uh, this is like their anthemic song of the album, I guess. Um, Oregon's just blurring away at the chords. It's uh, immediate sax solo. It's soft. It's slow. It's a building scene. I like Richard Wright hitting just like a couple notes back and forth over and over and over and over. I dig that. There's a lot of layering here. And I don't think like this is the strongest song on the album, but I also think that it is very, very necessary. It's a good transition from money to like the end part. This is also a song that that was supposed to be originally for a soundtrack for a movie called Sabrisky Point. And I was gonna watch it this week, but I just never got around to it. And it was an apparent, like it was a huge flop. <laughs> and uh, and Pink Floyd did they did add some music to that movie eventually, but this is one of the songs that didn't make the cut, so they kind of reworked it for this movie. Uh, but yeah, it's it's this is a Richard Wright uh, led song. It's much more piano synth based, and it's nice. It's more of like an airy ethereal sound, kind of like what you were saying and. It gets loud at like after like three minutes. It kind of gets, it gets loud and then it brings it back to what it was. And but it's still like nice sounding. It, there's nothing that's like abrasive and aggressive and annoying at all. It's it's just a very pleasant song. 
But if I were to put this as a banger, this would be my seven B. Like this would be the lowest of the banger. Okay, That's given given like there should only be seven songs on this album, this is the worst mm-hmm. of the of the best. Right. Wait, say that again. Wait, say that again. B- because you said that earlier on, like there should only be seven songs on the album because a lot of songs transition and should be like one song. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Like this is seven B because there's only seven songs in your Correct. ranking. Yes. Okay. Yes. This. Yes. Well. Okay. So so us and them and then any color you like. Those are the two songs that should be one song. For and then me. I mean, brain damage and eclipse should also be one song. They have to be. Yeah. They those have to be one it's, song. That's they're it's silly boy talk. They are not one song. That's true. So, I mean, yeah, any color or um, up us and them, and then any color you like. That's those are my seven Bs. Lyrically, I mean, only one of them has a lyric has lyrics, honestly, and that's us and them. And it just talks. It just criticizes war and just how stupid it is, and none of it makes sense. And why do we send young people to go to war? And why do we listen? Why do we listen to all the bullshit? That's pretty much what it is. So like like uh, going back a little bit, um, one, the sax on this song gets a little too jazz fusiony for me at times, yeah, and I honestly yeah. could do without a lot of it. Like the, yeah. especially the later part of it, like I wish it was just cut a little bit short, or I don't know, maybe add a little bit more bass or guitar. Just get the fucking sax out of there, my god. Because I, I agree, this is the only song on the album. Given that there's ten songs rather than the seven, like you said, but I do believe there should be only be seven. This is the song that is the lowest of the low for me. But I will say that that there was this cool graph on Genius that showed the sine and cosine lines, which I'm not a math guy at all. I've never liked math. Yeah, I like geometry, but I never liked. I never really liked algebra or anything like that. And I actually had to do summer school because I didn't pass it in high school, and so <laughs> I, I just never liked fucking math. But there was this graph on Genius that showed sine and cosine going up and down and up and down as a waveform. Mm-hmm. And it was connected to this little circle that the circle was just going in a circle, going in a circle. But both of the sine and cosine were attached to the circle in a way that made it look like like the ups and downs. It seemed like that was life, like the ups and downs. But really, it's, we're all just in a fucking circle. And I, fu- I love... And my neighbor, friend of the pod, Phil, he's really, really good with math. He's a math guy. And so anytime that I can talk about math with him and have him explain kind of real-world topics or concepts or abstract ideas even in math terms, I, I enjoy listening because like they're there. Like, like things can be essentially dumbed down to numbers. I mean, that's what fucking binary is. Like Things can be kind of dumbed down to numbers at times. And it was kind of cool that this song is kind of about like like the ups and downs of, of various degrees of, of human interaction, differences and mm-hmm. things. But really, it's just like a cycle. It's a, it's a cyclical nature of, of, of human interaction, of going to war and, and hating your fellow man. But this is not the way we act. I don't know, it, it was just really cool to watch it in math terms. And again, I'm yeah, not a I, math guy, but I thought that was that was unbelievable. I love I that. didn't I didn't even see that on Genius. <laughs> it was fucking cool. You should go huh. back and look. It was so goddamn cool. <laughs> it's just like a little gif. It's just like fucking four seconds long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God damn wow, it. Was, yeah, I didn't even notice that. It was really cool. Uh and w- okay, another thing I thought was kind of weird on on this entire record when it comes to the saxophone, why didn't Richard Wright play the saxophone? Because reading more about him the guy was an, obviously an accomplished piano player and all that, 
but he also knew how to play multiple instruments, and one yeah. of them was the saxophone. Saxophone, yep. It's like it, what what was played on here. I mean, I'm not a big woodwind guy. I don't know a ton about the saxophone, but you know, it didn't sound like it was overly complicated. Why didn't Richard just play it? Why did they hire another guy? I think his name was Dick Perry, which is a name in itself. But <laughs> why why would they hire somebody outside of the band when you have somebody very accomplished who could do it? It made no fucking sense. I know. So, uh, I don't know. Is that, is that like a band decision or is that like a studio pressure decision? I don't know. I think I think it was, honestly, I think it was probably like an insecure thing that Richard Wright had. I think he probably felt too insecure to do it. Like like Which stunning from, from Waters and Gilmore probably not making him feel like he's better than he is? I think because he was so accomplished at playing piano and knowing theory and doing all that, I feel like like it was more of like a, I think like well I'm I can't be as good at saxophone be, I can't I'm not as good at on the sax as I am on the piano so there's no point. I think it was more of like a personal like a own like an inner tor- turmoil thing rather than a pressure pressure from the label or Gilmore and Rogers. I don't know. I, I I feel like this band was just not very good at building each other up and so I think that Oh, there's the, that too. Yeah. Like when you're a good like when you're a good musician, you know you're a fucking good musician. No like mm-hmm. bullshit. You know you're a good fucking musician. Like dating back to, to, to Beethoven and shit before that. If you're a good musician, you know you're a good musician. So I, I had yeah. I find it hard to believe that this that Richard Wright, knowing he's a good piano player, knowing he can read music, knowing he knows musical theory, and thinking that, oh, I'm not good enough to play the sax. Like, no, fuck that. That it, I I find that very 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 hard to believe. I I think that it's more label uh, uh, intervention or it's Gilmore and and Rogers trying to get involved with somebody else and tell them exactly what they want, as opposed to Richard Wright who has his own ideas of what to write. Yeah, it could be that. It really could be. Or There's maybe no it way. came down to maybe it came down to so- to credits too. Maybe yeah, if if yeah. Wright had written or had done the sax part, he would have been paid more money or get gotten more of a uh, uh, credit on the song than he already had. Rather than a thirty dollar flat fee that that they paid Dick Perry to come <laughs> in, to yeah. yep. fucking that thirty quid right there. Thirty quid, baby. <laughs> the fuck <laughs> a quid is. <laughs> yeah. Any 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 color you uh, like. That's the next one. That's the next one. That's, yes, uh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Any color. I you mean. Like. I, Obviously, I mean, this song is, it's, it perfectly segues, the last song perfectly segues into this song because it is the same song. Another flawless transition, if we yeah. want to call it a transition, but it's the same fucking song. But yeah, sure. Tone and it was kind here. of like a, it kind of was like a, to me, this is kind of like a throwaway song because from what I was reading, Roger Waters wasn't even there. No. He was on, he was on vacation. He was on, on holiday, vacation, yep. As they, as they would say, on holiday. And um, so they they pretty much used recycled bass lines and loops from Breathe yeah, that were unused. Drop the key. Yeah, and that's put it. it in this. And that's kind of that was kind of lame. It is it is it is kind of lame, and it's it's just like I don't know, like like why not? Everyone's going holiday, I guess. I don't know, but yeah. um, it it's still cool. Like we've already heard it, and a ton of synth noodling, and it's fine. And Gilmer smashing some notes in there with the actually a fucking really rad use of delay and verb. And th- th- I thought that was fantastic, but yeah, it's it's not a throwaway song. It's just um, I don't know, it's a throwaway, it's, it's a throwaway song. 
but I, I do like also, you know, the first half is kind of Richard kind of going off on the synth and doing his thing. And then Gilmore comes in in the second half with, with his guitar solos. But he, he uses these crazy effects. I don't remember the exact what he uses, but he does use something. And it sounds similar to what Richard was doing. And it perfectly plays off of what was going on. And it was a really cool, I don't want to say back and forth because it wasn't, but it just made the song really cool, a really cool instrumental. I think he's using just a lot of delay and like reverb because there's a lot of just just extra notes being hit after he's done playing with sound like delay and reverb. And I think he's just, I don't know. It's cool. It's good. Yeah, it is. It is. Good song. So that's Any Color You Like. Uh, we good with this one? It's an instrumental, so. Yeah, instrumental, no lyrics. I I, I mean, there was a the quote of, of Any Color You Like being um, from like a Henry Ford era thing. Oh, where, yeah. Where... Yeah. where Henry Ford would tell like like the song is fans say it's 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 about like society having the illusion of choice yeah because and then it references the model T thing yeah like Henry Ford would famously say supposedly that yeah the model T Ford comes in any color you like so long as the color is black the Very Ford cute. is not black <laughs> <laughs> you're an idiot no <laughs> And then uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> go on to brain damage, baby. That's what we have right now is brain damage. Mm-hmm. What do you got on this one? So, like, by the time by the time listeners are here, we're picking up on the transitions, right? They're happening. Uh, I don't know. They, we're we're hearing them rather than afterwards realizing that they've already been happening. They've already mm-hmm. happened. But this one, uh, this one gets dumped off like right after any color you like and. You don't pick up on it. You really don't. Because purposely this song is put out in the way that brain damage starts well after any color you like finishes. And I like that. I I, I like keeping me on my toes even to like the bitter end. I I love Mm -hmm. this I love this bass riff. It's an easy scale to end the do 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 to kind of like downscale the end of that riff. I think it's amazing. Adding the laughing parts when he's saying the world is like lunatic oh, or the word that. lunatic, it's fucking gold. It's stupid. I it's love like it. it's like 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 twenties, thirties horror movie status. It's it's cheesy. It's it's gold. It's also a little eerie when you hear it when when you're listening on headphones because it doesn't come out of both ears. It kind of I, I it comes on on like like you hear a little bit like on one ear, but then most of it on the other. So it's a little, it's a little off-putting, honestly. And like I, think, the best, I think it sounds really cool. The best part of this song for me is its production, like the use of stereo and and when honestly, like when the use of stereo happens is key here. A lot of like mm-hmm. things can only be really felt and experienced with headphones on, unless you have like really wide apart speakers and a good speaker system and you're singing right in the middle. Um, like, but like, otherwise you don't hear a lot of like nuance in those, those stereo tricks, much like you just said, the laughing, there are parts mm-hmm. of the laughing where it's not just, it's mono where it's coming through both speakers at the same time and no nuance to it. But there's a little bit, there's a little bit to that laughter where it goes kind of back and forth and it's, it's a little unsettling. And there are parts of this album overall where I, I, I turned my head to like the left or the right, just out of just uh, fucking I don't know out of knee jerk reaction. I, you can't help yeah. it, and and okay. brain damage was uh, was one of them. And this song was also it, it actually originally came from 
when they were recording metal that that particular album and at the time it was called dark side the song was called dark side of the moon and that's why you hear him say that in this particular song you actually hear those words which is it's so weird because i feel like a lot of bands at the time they didn't like whatever the title album whatever album title they were using was never said within no the song so it was it's very strange to hear it in a song of this era no, you but, never repeat the song, the, the album title in the song. This is you can't yeah, do yeah. it. And I and like you you brought up like the how the beginning starts up kind of like slow and it's it kind of builds on itself and you you kind of hear the heartbeat coming back from the very beginning of the record how it started out, which eventually you hear at the very end. But this is where it kind of comes back into the into the actual structure of the song and i like that it's not it's not so sudden like at the very end like it's slowly brought brought back in and kind of played throughout this song and, and the last song and I, th- I think that's really cool and it's uh, it's fucking killer and and i do like too that that Dil- Gil- gilmore gilmore kind of <laughs> <laughs> gilmore kind of like lays back and just plays like a clean guitar part and lets the other guys shine like richard wright like what he plays during the chorus i think is is spot on and it sounds so good with the backup vocals and the harms and it just everything just meshes so perfectly in that chorus. I, I think it's it's remarkable. This is one of my favorite like like lyrical ones or or conceptually I guess. But mm. like from what I read, the idea of Waters writing the song while while thinking of Sid Barrett, but then also mm. staring off into the courtyard of, of the college he was at and seeing this sign on the grass, it says, like, please stay off the grass. And he was kind of mm-hmm. laughing and thinking, like, how crazy that would be, like, a person to to deliberately disobey a sign and walk in the grass. Like, that. Oh, yeah, that's Sid Barrett for you. But then, like, <laughs> kind of digging deeper and thinking, like, it's even fucking crazier to expect someone not to walk on grass. Like, yeah, yeah. That's fucking stupid. Like, it's... Getting getting a little bit deeper, in, uh, but that's like, I don't know, it's a societal thing too. Is just that seems silly that we would not obey that rule because it's such an easy rule to obey. But like, why the and fuck why? do we even have that rule to begin with? Yeah. Like, that's even crazier that we don't even question that. And that's what, for like, for me, that's what makes brain damage so goddamn good. Agreed, agreed. And also what I was reading too about this song was that uh, – David Gilmore insisted that Roger sing the song. Like Roger did not want to do this at all, but, um, but yeah, David was the one that's like, "This is your song. You got to do it. It would mean the most if you did it." That's Stuck. what we get. It's which I, I think it's, it's re- so I think good. it's really cool. I think Absolutely. it's really awesome that David kind of like put his his ego aside and and just said, "No, this is you. This is all you. This is your. These are your lyrics. This is your song. You have to do it." I like that. I, I think that's really really. I have a lot more respect for David Gilmore, you know, reading shit like this. About yeah. Him, yeah. Which is it's, super rad. It's, it's, it's not like humbling. It's just, it's just, it's just very, it's, it's very respectful, very respectful yeah. of a musician. Especially too, because I, I had no idea prior to this week that David Gilmore and Sid Barrett had grown up together. They had, they had like yeah, dude, traveled dude. around parts of Europe busking and they had been arrested together and they were like really close friends prior to any Pink Floyd stuff. And I always thought that David Gilmore came in as like this stranger to the band and kind of like overtook Pink Floyd and just kind of made it his own. But it was the complete opposite. Like him and Sid were very, very close. 
But and like that's what crazy. makes so like I I had no idea that Gilmer until this week I didn't know that Gilmer wasn't an original member of Pink Floyd I I didn't I didn't know oh, yeah, that yeah. he wasn't a part of like the OG band, and so for Gilmer to come in at like kind of as an outsider he did not start this band like Sid Barrett named the band this band was already established somewhat before Gilmer mm-hmm. came in, and he's coming in as an outsider and and already like when you have a band that's been started and someone comes in there's already going to be like, oh, let's see what you got. Let's, let's see what's going to happen. And it just so happened they mesh really well together. But I think like Sid Barrett's departure affected Waters almost more than it did David Gilmore. Oh, because, totally. Which is fucking weird, right? Like it's yeah. so bizarre. Like Waters was just like blown away by how sad and, and, and horrible like Sid Barrett's decline was. And Gilmore, not to say like he wasn't affected by it, it just seemed like Waters musically was was affected by it more drastically than than Gilmore was, and I think that in itself is just a book to be fucking written. Like how? Well, I mean, well, why? Essentially, essentially, the Wall was written about Sid Barrett. The the underlying character was Sid Barrett. Same with this album. This album is yeah, explores this life yeah, yeah, and yeah, death. No, like yeah. this is this is this is kind of reminiscing. Like holy fuck, man, we could all be. Sid Bear. We could all fall victim to what Sid Sid had fallen victim to. It's just it's insane. Uh, it's not insane. It's 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 very it's peculiar to me at how Waters was affected over Gilmore. And again, not to say that Gilmore was not affected. It's just it's just interesting to see that that Waters was affected as much as he was, having known Sid for as little time as he did. And then reading about, you know, on during the Wish You Were Here sessions, how Sid Barrett showed up looking completely different. Like we, we touched upon. And yeah. The band didn't even recognize him. They thought he was no, like some record some, executive. Yeah, some, some, some guy walking in. They're trying to like button up for him. <laughs> I mean, mind you, if you look at pictures for, from of Sid Barrett from like 1970 to 1976, when I think that was 1976, the five, six years. I mean, the dude was only 29 years old. Did you see the pictures of of him during the Wish You Here sessions? Yeah. He was 29, dude. He looked like he was like he fucking like he was 95 60. years old. Yeah. It was, it's Bald unreal. Bald fucking white and just, I don't know, he looked like yeah, shit. He looked terrible. And apparently that just affected Roger so much that he like, I almost, it almost seemed like he almost had a mental breakdown after that. And then apparently... The only person to see Sid after that particular time was Roger at like two years later at like a market in London or something like that. He ran into him, but didn't even say hi to him, just like saw him and like ran away or something like that. And that was the last time anybody from the band had ever seen Sid Barrett until he died in 2006. And then nobody came to his funeral. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I understand, but I mean, it's like, I, I think even if, even if you're not there, like on an emotional level, like I think with the legacy of Pink Floyd at the band, you guys gotta show up to the funeral. It's I don't know, it's hard. Like outside it's, of the emotional stuff, you gotta I mean, I don't know, man. I the I, legacy of the band you it seems weird not to. The the amount of feelings involved when somebody dies, it's just it's such a natural part of life, but like literally we all per, like we all think we're ready for it. We all think like we're we're yeah, well capable true. of handling it. But when it happens, like we we all we all reverted to our our stage of when we come out of the fucking womb, we are we are nothing. We are, we are 
insignificant on this earth. And we talked about it at Vero's. Remember, like we brought the conversation of, like, look around the room right now. Like every single person in this room means nothing in the grand scheme of things. I know. And it's just, (laughs) like, when somebody dies, it's just like I don't know. It means nothing. I I don't fault people for doing dumb things when somebody dies, and and um, that's fine. I I I don't. Yeah, it's fine. I know. I, I. I, I understand. I know. I know. I understand. And I know we talked. We did talk about that when I was out there, but I think, in some circumstances, like Pink Floyd, like this band and this like kind of era of music and just cultural cult, culture, it just seems a little, a little weird that none of the guys showed up. Well, don't forget too. This is a this is a rock group. They're not like normal people. They are emotionally yeah, underdeveloped. True. They are they are not like you and I. They are. <laughs> They're, they're not as advanced as us, yes. No, of course not. They they're they're a rock group. <laughs> like musically, of course they're well well advanced, but like emotionally, no. Yeah. Like like spiritually, no. They're they're fucking sixteen at most. They're they're <laughs> no, not at all. So yeah, that's uh that's all I got for um brain damage. <laughs> all right. I mean that leads into the last song, Eclipse, which obviously <laughs> is like an extension of the other song. Except with the outro. The outro is really cool. I do the like out, that a lot. The outro is the only part about Eclipse that shouldn't be a different thing. Like, literally, Eclipse, like, someone just played Brain Damage in Eclipse and then just clicked a button and said, okay, let's stop it. Right, fuck it right here. Done. Like, it's literally Eclipse, like, just, it's it's Brain Damage. Yeah, I know. I know. This, Until you like, get to all if, the, the, wail, the singing and wailing. And- if there's any song on this album that should have been combined with another song, it is Eclipse and Brain Damage. Agreed. It makes no sense that it was ever split up. Stupid. And like I said, I, th- I think it was all due to marketing. It had to have been due to marketing. Yeah, ten songs. Because you some want, of these you don't want make ten sense. songs for an album. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, that's that's really all I got for this. That's it. The album started with a heartbeat, and the album ended with a heartbeat, baby. We go in and yeah, we come there out. There you go. We're all the same. And I, I know we we touched upon the the Almarwick a bit. I mean, it was it was created by Storm Thurgerson, who was a part of the the hypnosis kind of art group. But it was really Storm. And have you Storm. noticed that the fucking mm-hmm. album artwork does not include all seven colors? The Roy G. Bivs. Wait, what? Say that again. So like like Roy G. Biv, right? Red, orange, Roy, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. There's seven colors in the in the ring, yeah, the spectrum. Yeah. The it's only six. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it right now. There's only fucking six. Why is there only six? There's no Why? seven. Why? Yeah. Isn't that weird? That is really weird. Maybe. So like, so like, I I noticed that maybe because there was, was only weird. ever six bands, six members in the band. But then I thought like maybe it was just like a weird thing of of how just things are just always quite what you think they're going to be. They're not quite. They're every like life is always going to be somewhat incomplete. Things are, don't always work out the way you think they're going to work out, and then just—I don't know—it's fucking weird. I, I huh. thought that was weird. I, I never noticed until this week, and yeah, it bothered me. It, it, it bothered me in a way that I—I I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a little off-putting. It's a little. It's a little. A little unsettling. Yeah, I because I, I, I didn't read a ton on on the actual album art because it's like you know it's pretty basic, but you know whatever. It's Storm, Thur- Storm Thurgeson, like he's. He just does weird shit, so I like, I didn't think but too like much. Good, into it. good shit. Like the no, guy. no, I I agree. No, he's, yeah, like hypnosis, him. Like they do some good. shit. No, I agree, but it's fucking weird. So I never really like. I don't know. I never thought about it. But Except now that for, you mention it, that's fucking weird. Do you know the one album cover I don't like? You gonna say is, Francis the Cuck? 
No, it, no, no. It's, it's metal. But Pink Floyd, I don't like really? metal. Really? Because it's supposed to be an ear. I don't see it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, That's what bothers me. Thing, I, I, I can't see yeah. it. I, I, I don't see it, and it bothers me. I've never been able to see the ear either. I, I, I agree with you on that, but I still like the cover even though uh, I, I don't I like see the, the pink and the blue. I like the cut like the, the like the color schematics. I like that. I just I don't see the ear and it bothers me. But see like Adam Hart Mother, I don't really like that that album cover. Oh god, dude, the cow looking backwards at you. I don't, what does that mean? I, Why is she looking back? It's stupid. And then what oh, is it like god, the inner so inner cover or the back cover? There's like a like three different cows from the same farm. It's just Yeah. Oh, it's stupid. It's Man, stupid. simplistic. Oh, you know what's even dumber is the Actually, even dumber than that, I like the animals cover except for the 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 pig. The pig. The pig. What? Yeah, I hate the pig. The pig is so dumb. It's such a. I, I don't know that like that that one's really cool because it's like here's a factory of of like the, um, um, colonization in in America and over the world, but let's like float yeah. a pig over there because they're fucking just pigs and it's just like a subtle <sighs> like fuck you it. to like to like I don't know big wigs. I I, I love that shit. It's so good. It was all right. It was all right. Honestly, even like Endless River, I love that cover. I think the cover is fucking no, dope. Yeah, Endless River, I, I do like that cover. That's so Mo- cool. Momentary Lapse. Momentary Lapse. That's a cool cover. Yes, as well. that is such a badass yeah. cover. Even, yeah, thinking about Division Bell, that's a rad, a rad that's one. Cool. And he even like constructed those those figures, like huge ass figures to take that picture. They, the, they, they actually constructed those figures. Yeah, no, I know. It's fucking yeah. nuts. Wow, Have you seen cool. some of the? I mean, you probably haven't, but because um, Storm did some stuff with the Mars Volta, obviously with Francis the Cuck and and Deloust, but um, he did some alt- alternate like covers from stuff that they never ended up using, and there's some really cool stuff mm. that that they that they ended up rejecting that fans have used as like you know bootleg covers for like live performances or B side stuff. But no, Storm, Storm did some really cool stuff with Mars Volta that was outside of those two records. You should check I mean, out. I mean, the dude was just like a, a, a fucking genius, man. Just like Yeah, I know. He was great. God, he was so good. He was great, and he was unique. Much like, you know, H.R. was it, H.R. Geiger? Geiger. Your boy he from Corn. What? Is <laughs> it your boy from Corn with his stupid fucking microphone? Oh, with the microphone set? The bitch? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously with ELP and then you know, Alien and all that kind of stuff. You know, he he has that that iconic, unique style, which is way, which is really cool. But Storm Storm was really, was fucking rad too. But fucking anyway, dope. yeah, that's it. That's all. That, that that that's it. That's all. We did it. I mean, we made it. Obviously, We're done. I mean, any any Pink Floyd purist would come on and say you didn't talk about this, this, and that, and it's like. Dude, just relax. Off, like, dude. calm get your tits. Yeah, calm your tits, off. man. It's put your quid in your pocket and fuck off. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> put your twenty quid in your. What is a fucking quid? Is that like a quarter? Is that just like a like a think, half think, of a pound a or something, quid, or a quarter of a pound? I think a quid. Because uh, they don't do would, quarters would, over there, don't they? Do like like fifths and like twentieths or some shit? I don't fucking no, know they, what they do. Like a, a pound, a, a pound, a pound would is like a dollar. A dollar. So a yeah. quid, a quid like must 10 be ten cents or like twenty cents or something. I think a quid. I think a quid is more than a pound. No, oh, more than. A I pound. think a quid might be like ten pounds. I don't know. I really don't know. Well, they have oh, pence fuck. and they have like half pence, right? Yeah, and then they have. Uh, there's another. There's another like one or two. Dude, thing. have they just? Have they never heard of George Washington? Or. <laughs> <laughs> 
so dumb. <laughs> oh god, uh, that could be or, like the greatest the greatest quote ever. <laughs> it was so stupid. <laughs> Have you never heard of George uh, Washington? Talk about like the most ignorant thing you could possibly fucking say. <laughs> um <laughs> I on it, but maybe a quid and a pound is the same thing. The same thing. I think maybe a quid might might have been like the old term, but pound is like the more modern thing. Maybe I I, I, I refuse to look any of this up until yeah, Fred until Blodsky Skip says it enlightens us. Yes, correct. I'm so tempted to look. I really am very tempted to look it up. No, don't do it. Oh, I want to, but I, because I then won't. we'll know, then we'll know how true of a fan he is if he listens as late to enlighten us yeah. about the quid. This, this pound, is pence, this is what I want. Pence, this is what I want Skip to do. If Skip has gotten to this point, you have to let us know you've got to this point specifically the very end of the episode that you've listened this far, where you can tell us what the difference between a quid and a pound. You've got to well, let th- us know. Not just that quid pound. I wonder what a fucking hat penny is because there's a hat penny. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one word, and there's 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 pence, How do you know right? That? Hat penny, yeah, no pence, yeah, yeah, hat penny. How do you know what? A hat I don't know. Penny I was in some play at some point where somebody said hat penny, and it was just like, oh, and they had a, they had an English accent. I almost did it. They had an English accent, and they did like the arm. You cock your arm, and you like go back and forth. You rock your arm back and forth with the crook of the elbow. Oh, I'm a douchebag. <laughs> 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 not saying like English people are douchebags. I'm saying that people uh, that impersonate English people in high school plays are douchebags. Are douchebags, much like yes. you, yes. Yes, correct. Oh, dude, I made fun of English people so much in high school. It was crazy. I still oh, do. God. <laughs> Clearly, yes. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, Skip, let us know. Let us know. Okay, so we, we've done, we finished uh, the, dark, the Dark Side of the Moon. And uh, let's let's give a let's give our final thoughts and then our rating with our um, world famous three point rating system where three is a perfect album, two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to one is a bad album but give it a shot and zero is the worst thing you've ever heard. So what do you got, Jeff? Go. Dark side. This was uh, this was this this week was the first time I've really heard Dark Side. Like I've no sorry. This was the first time I've listened to Dark Side. I've heard Dark Side, but I never listened to it. Much like Tyler on the podcast, when I talk, he hears me, but he doesn't listen. This is the first time I've listened to Dark Side. So this was... Uh, <laughs> fucking worse. Is this my time to talk or is this your time to fucking talk? I'm sorry. Did you sorry, Rekka. All right, Rekka. Continue. I thought, continue I, thought, I thought you had said go. So go means like uh, go speak. Continue the joke. Okay, continue you're still going to talk. That's fine, though. So this was the first time that I have listened to Dark Side rather than just hear Dark Side. And um, it was... Uh, it was fucking weird because like I said, I, this is one of the first albums that we got that I got when we started collecting and I've, I've, I listened to it a couple times and like, it's good. I thought sonically it sounded great. There was nothing about it that was bad. The music was good, but it wasn't until this week where it really kind of just clicked where I was like, holy fuck, man, this is really good. And I don't think it's their best album. It's not my favorite album. I shouldn't say that. This this is one of the weird times where where I don't think it's their best album. I I think that they've done like Animals. I think it's a better prog album. It's better conceptually. Adam Hart Mother. I think is better 
uh, it's it sounds a little bit better. I think they take a little more chances. They work out really well. I think the wall is way more ambitious. Like the wall is their most ambitious album for sure. But yeah. dark side is, I think dark side is probably their best album. I really do. It's not my favorite, and I, it's not it's my it's my third favorite. But I think it 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 could be their best. And somebody was like, hey, how should I get into Pink Floyd? I listen to fucking dark side, dude. Because it's their best album, not my favorite, so, but it's their best. So you're pulling the Justin again. I am. I'm doing the Enemy of the State Justin thing, <laughs> where I'm going to say that Enemy of the State is uh, Blink's best album and Dark Side is uh, Pink Floyd's best album. It's not my favorite. No, not at all. But so I think it's their okay, best. So we're gonna call this the Justin rating. This is the Justin what, what, rating. Yes, the Justin rating. Yeah. Okay, I like it. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah, because I mean, some. This is the first time I've ever done it. To be fair. Never done this before. <laughs> never so, done it. Never done this before. This is the Justin rating. The Justin rating, I will give this, um, I mean, uh, this is a good album. <laughs> and even, even, <laughs> even not on the Justin rating, this is fucking good. Like, I have not, I have not experienced an album where I have felt anything over the course of 45 minutes the way I did this. I think, fuck it, I think I'd probably give like the top. Oh man, dude! Like, like Adam Hart, Mother, Animals, Dark Side, Umaguma, maybe even Metal, maybe even Metal. I I give a perfect three. Oh my! I really God. would. I fucking really would. Holy shit! I I'd have to really go back into Metal again and listen to it, but for sure the top four is a perfect album. Metal is is no matter what is no is is dipping no 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 well below the two point seven five realm. And this is this is only on the Justin the Justin scoreboard. No, Justin fuck Justin. System. Justin's an idiot. He knows nothing. <laughs> I know everything. I am <laughs> on my own scale now. <laughs> I'm so disrespectful to him. I know. It was so rude. It was so rude. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> oh god, it's funny. Yeah, no. This is my own rating now. I I mean Dark Side of the Moon is perfect. I, it really is a perfect album. It's it's not just a perfect album, but like the cover art is perfect, the story behind it is perfect, the legacy is perfect. Everything about Dark Side is absolutely perfect. And that's that's there's that's three albums deep. So Animals and, and Adam Hart are also perfect. I think Umaguma is perfect in its own way. I think Metal I think Metal is damn near close to perfect too. I really do. <laughs> It it is it is. I'm, 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 I don't I don't think I'm there yet, but I, I again I think two point seven five no matter what metal is not falling below that. So uh, yeah, dark side. Fuck, I don't. I'm not even gonna try to explain it again. We we spent like three hours almost on this, or two and a half hours on this. This is a this is a perfect album. This is three out of three. You know the Justin rating system, my rating system. This is a this is a perfect three out of three. I this is. Sonically, I think it's perfect. Uh, Songwriting-wise, I think it's perfect. Like we talked about, it's not technically speaking, it's not the greatest thing. But who gives a fuck? We're talking about songs here. We're talking about the cohesiveness of an actual album, and this this perfects it in every every sense. I love this record, but it is not my favorite. Like I said before, this is my two B. Metal is their best record. Metal. It has a little bit of everything, and there's not a lot of pretentiousness to it, like Dark Side has. Dark Side fails a little bit because they, to me, or like after we talked about it, 
they fell into like the marketing part of it by making this album 10 songs when it could have bro- been broken down to seven, maybe six songs. And that, that's just how it is. But it was a or marketing they, thing. And or if like, they got like we, we ballsy, it could have been like fucking four songs. Well, it could. It could. If, if they want to get know. cheeky with it. Well, they could have got real cheeky with it. We know that. We know yeah. that. And, uh, <laughs> 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 and like you were saying, the artwork, the artwork is another thing that has put this band on, on a different level because everyone knows this fucking artwork. It's like, it's truly iconic. And, uh, and I'll just wrap it up again by saying we, we missed a lot. I know, I know we miss a lot talking about this, but you know, who gives a fuck? Yeah, fuck we tried. Him. Who cared? My we, God, we, we did this two and a half hours. We, we're not going to do this for five hours. That's just Raul's prime. Like, you didn't talk about the fucking facts. Shut up. I don't care, Raul. I mean, I there have been, Raul, there have been yeah. dozens of documentaries about this about this band, about this album. I understand we missed a lot, but we tried. We tried. We got the best of it, baby. That's all yeah. we did. We yeah, we condensed it the the best anybody could ever do because we're the best podcast ever. So yeah, perfect three out of three. And honestly, that's all that's all I got on this one. You got anything else? No, that's all I gotta say about that. That's all you gotta say about that. Well, thank you all for listening to the podcast. Keep listening. Tell all your friends and family. Hope you all had a good time. You know, all the social media stuff, Asinine Radio, get into that. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And um, I don't know, stay tuned for the next one because we're getting into we're getting into more hip hop mm. next week. So I don't know. Keep listening. And that's it. That's all. Dude, good one. Need no education. We don't need no fort control. It's a great accent you got there. Because they don't say thought over there, they say fought. Like you're fighting someone fought. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you enjoy something. Yeah. So there, there are no more port. No, there are no more. Wow. I still cannot Ooh, even say. Even I'm thinking. <laughs> even I'm thinking about saying it correctly. I still cannot say it. There are no more. Oh my god. Ooh, I go. will not be purging <laughs> any more albums from from here on out. I'm gonna just change up the the rotation there. There are no more purgeable albums. I still said it still weird. Still can't even do it. Yeah. <laughs> what is so hard about that? There are no more. Wow. <laughs> say it. Say it. Say it right now. There are no there are more. No more. There, there are no more. Why do I want to say nor? Nor more. Nor more. There are no more. Like the Gangnam Style Korean. Not <laughs> no. That's what I sound like. You bought like half the. You bought like half their shit. <laughs> so don't give me that bullshit. You love the Mars Volta. Uh, Get your little I, little my, my, horse over my, here. My little white horse. My little pony horse. <laughs> <laughs> You're my little pony cuck horse over there. My little pony um, cuck horse. <laughs> Thirty, I think. I think, as the English would say, thirty quid. I think that's the the proper oh, whatever the proper the thing fuck to say. A quid. It's like a like an animal. A quid. <laughs> These Englishmen and the their fuck a quid is. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck a quid is. These Englishmen <laughs> and their fucking monetary denominations. Fucking skip over here. He'll, he'll let us know. He'll let us know. What you ever a heard of a is. quarter or a dime? Come on, guys. <laughs> Have you heard of George Washington? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so good.
it's uh, it's fucking killer and and I do like too that that Dil- Gil- Gilmore Gilmore kind <laughs> of 